COVID-19, better known as coronavirus, has spread throughout the world. Symptoms of this respiratory disease include fever, cough, and shortness of breath. These symptoms may show up 2 to 14 days after exposure. If you're experiencing these symptoms and have come in contact with or in an area with an ongoing outbreak, please call a hotline and or consult a physician. Clean and disinfect high-touch surfaces. For more information, please visit cdc.gov COVID-19. Thank you. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the I Am Cannabis Sativa podcast. I'm your host, Dan Scotland. If you are currently a medical marijuana patient and want to tell your story and be featured on the podcast, feel free to email me at IamCannabisSativa at gmail.com. Feel free to hit us up on Instagram at IamCannabisSativa. You can also find me on Twitter at ICSativaPod. You can find and subscribe to our podcast on Spotify, iTunes, Anchor FM, Overcast, Radio Republic, TuneIn, Stitcher, Google Play Music Store, and more. Please rate and review us on iTunes as rating and reviewing us will bump up the pod on their algorithm and put this podcast in front of even more eyeballs. If you like what we are doing, please become a Patreon supporter of the podcast and support us. Supporting us helps us to keep the lights on, pay rent, pay for hosting, equipment, and travel. And you can do this by going to https colon slash slash anchor dot fm slash I am cannabis sativa podcast slash support. You can also support me now on Patreon at www patreon.com slash IC Sativa podcast. You can support this podcast for as little as $1 a month. We also have a $5 tier if you're feeling extra generous. A special thanks to our current patrons and supporters. Shout out to friends of the show Reefer Revolution for supporting the podcast. Shout out to our new Patreon and friend of the show Gracie Gatto. Shout out also to Joy One Love 420, also a friend of the show and founder of Keystone State Reviews. Becoming a Patreon or financially supporting us through Anchor, Patreon, PayPal gets you perks like early episodes, exclusives, and, and shout outs at the beginning of every episode. We also have been recently syndicated by friend of the show, Russ Belfill, and will now be featured weekly on Radical Russ Radio right before his show from Monday, 7 a.m., Tuesday, 9 a.m., Wednesday, 11 a.m., Thursday, 1 p.m., and Friday, 3 p.m., all mountain times. And without further ado, let's get to the episode. But you make my words, I'm going to get my grade 10, and everybody else can just catch a boat the f*** off the land. I guess it's that sort of time of year again where I do a episode full of clips and best interviews and best episodes for 2020. Kind of feels like I did this last year. Hmm. Howdy, y'all. Dan Scotland here, joining you from Legal Grass, Massachusetts, the heartland of America. Today's episode is a very special episode. Um, we have a very special guest. Um, we, so we talked, so I talked with Alex Halprin of, um, Weed Week. Um, that's a publication that, that, um, talks about cannabis news. And, um, they also have a audio podcast as well, too. Um, so let's, 
let's let's go into it. Um, so Weed Week is a Saturday morning newsletter on America's fastest growing, most interesting industry. Leading cannabis executives and advocates appreciates its credibility and even-handed perspective on the latest cannabis politics, business, health, criminal justice, and culture. It is the best way to stay up-to-date in the ever-changing industry. Weed Week was started in 2015 by Alex Halperin, a business journalist who has written for Fast Company, Rolling Stone, and numerous other publications. And I'm going to read his bio here as well, too. So Alex Hapron is the founder, editor, and publisher of Weed Week. Before he started covering marijuana legalization in 2014, he reported on topics such as fracking, healthcare, technology, and finance. His work appeared in The Guardian, Slate, Fast Company, Quartz, and The Washington Post, as well as Mother Jones, the New Yorker, and many other publications. His first book, The Cannabis Dictionary, was published in March. He lives in Los Angeles. So yeah, um, so they, so they are a publication that publishes, um, various cannabis news and, and topics. They also have a podcast as well, too, that, that you guys should also check out. Um, I'm going to link to all of these things in the show notes. So without further ado, let's get to the episode. Hi. Hey, this is Alex Halperin with Weed Week. How are you? Good. Um, how about you, Alex? Is, is things going well? Yeah, pretty good. Pretty good. Can't, you know, all things considered, right? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, I I mean, COVID is sort of um, has ruined everything sort of sense of, of, of routine and has put a lot of sort of lives in danger and um um i'm i'm, I'm thankful for my health in these times um and i'm sure you are as well too <laughs> indeed indeed yeah um so so um i just so um i i kind of know about i mean i know about your your background and you know what what you do and um the the sort of I've, and I've looked through the great work at um that you guys have over at uh, Weed Week. Um, looking through some of the articles, um, and there was one that was pretty sort of interesting about the COVID trends that will tie into one of the questions I'll ask. But um, but but let's 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 get to it. Um, sure. So so I just kind of so to sort of start things off. Um. I I was just sort of um like curious as to what um Are we recording now? Yeah, we're recording now. Yeah. Okay, great. Okay, so I was just And would you just, want me to record myself and then send that to you? Yeah, that would actually make things um easier and, and better for And the for sound me. quality should should be a little better as well. Yeah. Okay, let me let me just set that right up. Hold on. All right.
Okay, I'm recording. All right. Okay, so um, it's kind of like the first question that I I I, I wanted to to ask. Um, so as you know, there's sort of been like a contentious sort of relationship between um cannabis and sort of the alcohol community especially since the um former being the cannabis cannabis community is still sort of new and is paying catch-up in terms of rights and accessibility now that sort of sanitation and safety are such a huge priority to a lot of consumers and companies do you notice that the cannabis com- do you notice the cannabis community relying on the alcohol community for their sanitation needs or is cannabis sort of helping out alcohol to sort of stay to sort of stay afloat and stay sanitized and, and, and safe? Um, what do you notice are the relationships between sort of the two groups at this sort of moment? I don't I don't know that much to be honest about how they may be collaborating on sanitation. Um, I do know there's sort of a frenemy relationship between COVID and cannabis, uh, excuse me, between cannabis and alcohol. Um, and that sort of plays out in a lot of sort of at the local level in, in a lot of ways. Like in, in Napa Valley, there's tension between wine growers and um, <clears throat> cannabis farms. But then in Canada, you have some of the biggest alcohol companies in the world investing in in cannabis drinks, um, which is a whole nother thing. So, you, you know, it's a it's a complex and evolving re- relationship, I, I would say. I'm, I'm not really sure how they are um, or if they are really collaborating operationally when it comes to to covid related. Uh, yeah i mean it's it's certainly interesting um you know sort of like the sort of the contrasting environment as opposed to like what the u.s has and what you know canada has i mean i i i mean it's to my knowledge that i believe what is it um constellations brand or something like that 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 um, i think yeah so and you know like you, you know in Canada like you're seeing just a lot more sort of um i don't know it just i just feels like it's sort of less less like the different segments are less in 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 contention with each other like i mean in the states i i believe in Oregon they were there was a time when they were doing cbd beers and then because of like the FDA and what what what, what not saying you can't add CBD into beer that got shut down. But I mean, I I do feel that there's a little bit of that in the states to the extent that some states can get away with it or some states can facilitate facilitate that sort of collaboration. But I mean, due to the due to the federal government and due to a lot of other institutional barriers, it's not really being a, I feel like some of the contention is artificially created by our, our, our sort of governments, but, but I, and it is interesting to see how, you know, Canada sort of handles things as opposed to how the States does it. Yeah. Well, you, you know, it's, it's illegal there. So, so it's a whole different thing. And you have like you, you constellation brands, which is a, a big, U.S. liquor company. They are the parent company of Corona beer and lots of other brands of wine and spirits. And, um, 
they're a major investor in canopy growth, which is, which is one of Canada's largest cannabis companies. And so they're big drinks didn't, Canada legalized officially in October 2018 and then drinks didn't become legal until about December 2019. And they're just, and I think the pandemic has sort of delayed the release of some of them, but they're, they're, starting to finally roll out and reach customers and canopy definitely has, has a couple of those yeah um yeah for sure um and um to sort of segue into like the the, the next question that I, I wanted to ask um in regards to you know sort of safety and like the precautions that a lot of people are are taking during the covid crisis i mean i know for me i'm I've been, I've been combusting a whole lot less. Like I just, I, I have like a, I have like a vapor, I have a vaporizer that I use and, um, um, I've, I've been, I've been doing that. I've been sort of making sort of my own firecrackers and, and what have you. But, um, from doctors, from cannabis doctors that I know that I've actually talked to, they've been saying like, oh, most doctors in, in, in cannabis, in, in sort of cannabis legal states and medical alike are, they're always saying that people should try to avoid combusting. But now they're, now they're saying that you, now they're, they're really, really pushing it because of how aggressively COVID attacks the lungs. Um, so I've, so have, so with that, um, I, I wanted to sort of know that I wanted to sort of ask you if um, if you're hearing a lot of those recommendations, you know, on your end that, that you know, people should just vape, people should use edibles. Um, has that sort of borne out to according to people you've talked to and the things that you've read? Definitely. Um, but not even vaping. Um, you, you know, since the vaping crisis, that really set off a lot of doctors alarm bells about um about about vaping and and covid has now now has them suggesting really not smoking either because you know covid is is primarily a lung disease or seems to be primarily a lung disease and um we we just don't know at at this point, how it interacts with, um, what, whatever chemicals are involved in, in vaping and, and smoking a joint. I'll tell you, I personally have sort of been put off vaping, um, largely by the vape crisis. And I still, I still combust. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, I, yeah, I mean, the, that's something that hasn't, that's something that has, that's been sort of, that's kind of hasn't been sort of addressed. You know, people are still, there's not, there's still a lot of people that are weary about the vape cart. So it's like, you have people that are still going to flower because, you know, it, I mean, the vape, as, as the vape crisis has proved, even, even if the oils are, are, are safe or, and have been tested three ways to Sunday, 
if if you if if the vape cart materials that they've gotten from their suppliers overseas are haven't been tested for the requisite you know levels of lead and in, in, in heavy metals then your your oil can be good and could be safe all it wants to be but if the if the materials where where it's housed are, are unsafe then you know it's it's kind of moot um but sure. yeah, I mean, I mean, like with the hardware I mean, they're, they're, with vaping, there also seems so. Like the vape crisis was connected largely to this additive, vitamin E acetate, but there are all sorts of other issues, like with with the hardware, which which comes from China, where you, you, you know there are a lot of manufacturing practices um, that haven't necessarily been vetted for safety. Yeah. Um, and to sort of piggyback off that sort of question, do you, do you think like, um, like post sort of COVID, do you think that people, you know, now that, you know, that, I mean, I mean, it's been decades in the making, you're sort of our sort of globalization of the sort of economy and, you know, you know, people looking to overseas suppliers or vendors for their needs. Do you anticipate that like post COVID that, that a lot of these firms, um, a lot of these cannabis firms, that they're going to try to do as much of it in-house as possible, or not so much in-house, but like try to source from American or U.S.-based companies to sort of be more in control of of, of the entire supply chain. Do you, like how do you see that sort of going? I mean, I suppose it's a nice thought, and and maybe a couple will are going to try to do this. And, you know, I think with, with the epidemic and and with with the pandemic and um, it it coming from China, there's been a lot of talk about restoring the American manufacturing base. But this is something that's really only in its early stages. And I I think for a while, um, you you know, price is probably still going to trump Trump that you, you, you know getting bringing in uh, materials from China is still way cheaper than, than making them here. For sure. Um, and sort of another an, another thing with regards to sort of consumer practices and consumer sort of behavior during this. Um, I've been I've been reading from from some from some researchers and some for some for from some resources that I've sort of looked at that um a lot of people or a lot of doctors are actually are, are recommending from what I've been hearing that that patients if they can if they have the means to do so should try to stock up if as much if as much as possible if if possible on on a one month supply um, and I've been reading that, that, you know, people have sort of been taking this advice in doing less sort of transactions, but when they do get delivery, when they do get curbside, when they do get all these various services in these legal states, what they're, what, what they're doing is that they're buying more in bulk and doing less trips. Um, so do you anticipate more people, do you, for so for the duration of this crisis, do you anticipate bulk buying to 
continue to be a big thing or do you think that that's going to fall back when you know when you know when when all the states reopen and when this sort of has been deemed safe for people to sort of resume their usual sort of activities you know it, it's hard to say like as our business column dan dan mitchell his latest story looks at and, and this is at weedweek.net i hope your re- listeners will, will check it out you, you know he talks about how covid is changing buying habits and so that is definitely one of the trends that people yeah are, i think i looked at that i think i saw that article yeah and um <clears throat> But, uh, so the, but another, so another interesting trend, and this goes against the doctor recommendations, is that flower sales seem to be way up. Um, and, and that, ref- and that may reflect both that flower costs less. A lot of people have, have lost their jobs. Um, but also there may be sort of a nostalgia effect. You, you know, people are feeling anxious and worried and they, they turn to something that's that's familiar to them. Yeah, I never, I never thought of it that sort of way. Um, like, like I mean, I like the like the buying on value makes sense because that's that's what I usually do. Um, and I I live in Massachusetts, and um, you know, cannabis compared to much of the West Coast, the market is it's still a pretty young market. Um, you know, even, even when we legalize adult use, um, dispensaries, by the time the first recreational dispensaries open, the medical, you know, the, the medical sort of dispensaries, um, were still, you know, there's, there's, they still only had, or my state has still only had the medical dispensaries for, I mean, it was about three years. They were only open for three years for when, when when the first um recreational dispensary opened i want to say 2 years ago so it's still it's still really new it's still a very sort of um expensive market um um yeah i mean it's still sort of expensive at the moment and um so i mean i i just go to flower because it it saves me money but um but but yeah, I mean, it's, but people are sort of turning to sort of the familiar things that they're, that, that they, they benefit from. And, you know, I, I find that interesting that people, that even though flour and smoking it isn't as safe for people, um, people are still turning to it. Um, and that kind of leads me to my, so like, can, can I yeah. ask, and you, you know, you don't, you don't have to answer me, but, um, with the the stores in Massachusetts now closed, do you have a medical card, or what? What? What are you? What are you doing, or or what are people you know doing? Um. Okay. So i i i've I've been in the medical program in Massachusetts for about since 2017. I up. I mean, up until February, I I sort of let my card lapse um, because. Like, like, like I've been saying, medi- marijuana as an industry is still new. It's still, even the medical dispensaries that have been around for about five years at this point, they're still very expensive. So I didn't, I, I didn't renew my card, um, because, um, yeah, I didn't renew my card because the, the products are still very expensive. So, um, I, I have a caregiver that I, I, I go to out of state that sort of, 
charges me a, a a price that I can afford. So I've I've just been doing that. I've just been going to sort of um other caregivers and, and what have you and I've been I've been sort of just getting from traditional sources and, and donations from from friends and people I know. So that's kind of how I've been going about it. But because in Massachusetts, our governor, our governor, Charlie Baker, closed the adult use stores, um, a lot of people are a lot of people that would just go get their medical needs met through the adult use market they've been what they've been doing is that they've been getting cards and and i think they they had like a record number of cards for i want to say march and april because of that and they've and then they've put telemedicine sort of uh they put telemedicine regulations so people can certify through the phone um i mean i don't know if i'll i don't know if i'll renew again anytime soon but i've just been going to sort of other sources that are more affordable cuz we pay about we pay about 15 a gram for medical so that's 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 what i've been doing in, in other words all right so to yeah so to sort of piggyback off off that about like people going to what's familiar um so with companies sort of reducing their 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 offerings to just core offerings and trying to keep sort of expenses as a minimum, do you notice that like the sales of of you know sort of staple strains like like let's say the like OG Kush or Girl Scout cookies or Blue Dream or do you notice that patients are having more satisfaction with the market now that they can get these sort of old reliable strains? And, you know, and those are more likely to be in stock and those are more in stock because people, because these companies are, are cutting back. Do you notice that patients are more satisfied with the market now during COVID than they were before when they had all these strains that they didn't necessarily use or care for? So, I, I mean, I'm not sure that um, sort of product selection is actually going down. But there does seem to be sort of a flight to to some degree to the familiar. Um, like one one person told Dan that they thought this is going to make it really harder for for new brands to break out because one of the ways that new brands sort of reach customers is through bar bud tenders, and bud tenders aren't really working right now so introducing them to to new products through sort of electronic platforms and stuff like that is is sort of sort of unproven but the the other shift in consumer behavior that we're definitely seeing is a shift to value so one example is that candescent which is a company here um and their their ceo used to brag that their their flower costs Cost like twenty five percent more than everybody else's. They just released a brand called I think Baker or Bakers, and it's a a deep value brand. And you buy, as I understand it, like a a pouch of shredded flour, so it, it doesn't have that sort of same presentation um, as as Candescent does, but it it gets the job done. And he says it's aiming to keep people shopping. Um, on the legal market as opposed 
to um, going through an, an illegal dealer. So is this shredded flour? Is this kind of like a shake in a sense? Or I guess so. Yeah. Awesome. Um, so, so in regards to just like, like, like cannabis businesses, both like, you know, dispensaries and sort of CBD sort of vendors and and seaweed and and hemp flower vendors. Um, so do you notice that, um, are, so are there, so let's, so now that, you know, now that a lot of dispensaries in both legal states and in, in, in states that just have sort of CBD. Um, so do you notice like a certain segment of the population specifically in, in adult use states? Do you, do, do you notice that they're turning to products that they're, that they can get just online, like, like just CBD or people just being like, I mean, why go through the curbside pickup? Why go through the sort of, you know, why go through the added measures? Why of, pay the of, taxes? Yeah. Why pay the taxes? Why go through the added sort of, um, you know, hassle that, that has been added? Um, and are people both, are, do you notice more people are turning back to the black market or? Um, are, are people also sort of turning to just CBD shops? Because a lot of places you can just get hemp flour on the internet. Um, so what, what, what do you, what have you noticed on, from a consumer sort of standpoint? I'm, I'm sorry. Can you, can you repeat the question? Sure. Um, so with a certain, with a certain segment of the population, specifically in a lot of, um, cannabis, um, legal states, um, do you notice that people are foregoing the, the added hassle of getting cannabis and are just going either to the black market or opting to, for things like CBD only flour that they can just get online? I don't know. I think in California, you know, where, um, delivery is widely available, at least where in Los Angeles, where, you know, they're in much of the state, you can't get legal product. But, but, but I think in, in a place like LA where delivery is widely available and, and the, the shops have really bent over backwards to, to accommodate, um, the needs and, and fears of patients. I think people are still shop, shopping it there. But again, you, you know, the taxes are, are a big burden. So um, I think that more than anything else is what's going to push people to the illegal market. For sure. For sure. Um, yeah, I mean, in a lot of, in a, even in a lot of like legal states, um, there's still a lot of like, there's still a lot of reefer madness. There's still a lot of local control banning dispensaries and, and what have you. And even, even in medical states, there isn't enough sort of, dispensaries to go around often because of, of of local control um but i mean it's nice to see that in states like california where there's delivery even in areas where it it has been banned um people can still get their stuff delivered um here in massachusetts we didn't really we didn't get um like we were still working out the details of delivery so we didn't get to get the dis- delivery stores up and running before this happened but um i definitely do anticipate like our cannabis board like having a 
greater urgency now than they did before because uh, because of of covid and delivery services and curbside becoming very popular um and that kind of leads me to um my sort of next question um so with with places sort of cutting back to essential staff and despite like record demand for the product and 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 record commerce um do you think that the scaling back that that companies are having to do across the board and especially with cultivation staff, staff do you think that there's going to eventually be like a impending supply shortage and we, we we already know that that has been happening with sort of hydroponic uh out, outfits that you know are sourcing their products from from China and other outfitters overseas um so do you so do you anticipate a a impending sort of supply shortage of of cannabis and so which markets do you anticipate that being the biggest problem it's definitely a it seems like a possibility I haven't heard anyone sounding the alarm quite yet in, in California, but it could definitely happen. But, you, you know, with the essential status, that probably helps, I, I would imagine, because that enables sort of grows to operate and stuff like that. But, um, but there certainly are, it's certainly a possibility. Yeah, I mean, for sure. I mean, because now you're having, um, you're having companies go down to sort of their skeleton crew. So, I mean, I mean, I've never grown cannabis before, but I'm, but from the things that I've read about sort of, of wider sale cultivation, you need a certain level of staff to sort of, you know, make sure that, you know, the, I mean, to make sure that the plants are getting the right nutrients, to, you, you need a certain amount of people to do trimming. You need a certain amount of people to handle all bits of the process to make a pri- final product. So, um, yeah, I mean, I mean, it's, it's interesting to note, like you said, that it, it is a possibility because you're having so much staff being cut, cut down uh, across the board. But I mean, I haven't, like, I haven't seen any, uh, I mean, to, with, with, with the people that, with my connects and the people I talk to in Massachusetts, like, I haven't seen a supply shortage coming up, but I, it, it, it does feel like looming. It does feel like, it does feel like it could happen at some point, like you said. Um, so, um, so, I guess the next question I wanted to to ask, and um, I, I know you're pretty busy, so I only have like um, like about three more questions um, left no to ask. No problem at all. Awesome. Yeah. Okay, so so the next few questions. All right, so the next thing I I I had that I I wanted to see if you might have known about is that um, with like what do you think? What do you anticipate might happen? with cannabis post covid do you anticipate um do you anticipate companies for the time being or until maybe a vaccine is developed staying with 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 the current sort of precautions that they're taking with sort of you know more sanitation around the dispensaries um you know 
limiting capacity, having only curbside pickup, having delivery, um, and all that. Do you anticipate a lot of markets staying with that? Because I, I read an article, like I want to say yesterday, about Colorado saying that they're probably going to stick with the precautions for the immediate time being. Um, so what, what, what do you feel is, is, is going to sort of happen, um, post COVID in, in your estimation? And do you think that a lot of, um, do you think a lot of companies that might have been struggling pre COVID might sort of sell off to sort of Canadian vendors or to other multinational, um, conglomerates? Yeah. I mean, I think companies are going to um, do whatever it takes to keep customers coming back. And if that means, um, you know, I think all businesses are going to be much more mindful of, of sanitary practices um, going forward. Not to say that the cannabis industry was particularly unsanitary, um, but I think they're going to meet meet the consumer where the consumer's at. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah you, can, you can continue. Um, and, and, you know, in terms of where the industry is going, you, you know, tr- the industry has been hit really hard, even though sales are up in a lot of ways. Um, running a business is running a pot business has always been hard and, and it's even harder under COVID and especially especially since the industry hasn't been entitled to any of the federal relief that virtually all other industries receive. So, you you, you know, I mean, I think the industry really has its sights on gaining mainstream acceptance and and gaining the sort of support that um, businesses in other industries have received and, and expect. And, I think I think that's sort of where where the industry is focused right now. For sure. And so, so sort of to 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 branch off of that, um so are certain things going to sort of stay like um like um sort of like more curbside pickup and like um and a lot like i in another sort of thing that i remember that was popular popularly discussed during i mean pre-covid is that a lot there's been a lot of contention around the cannabis community i know in massachusetts like we always like i mean out like people like people i i've talked to from like cannabis um from other cannabis states they always kind of brand us as like having apple store sort of dispensaries here in the east coast and i mean to a certain degree that's true um but um but there's been a lot of debate about you know about deli style sort of dispensaries where they measure where they weigh out the cannabis and you just get to sniff it and then um you know pr- the Forgot the other, the other, the name of the other one, but the one where they're just pre-packaged. But there's been a lot. There was debate pre-COVID about this, but um, I would imagine now with you know with, with people wanting to stay safe, that that's gonna the deli style is gonna sort of fall away, even in states like like California or the West, 
where that was popular. Um, what are what are sort of your thoughts on that? Are 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 states where it's allowed to sort of measure out the cannabis? Are they going to continue doing that when 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 COVID sort of falls away, or are they gonna are they gonna cut back on that? Like and 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 be like the other states that never had it to begin with you you mean like digging into jars and stuff like that yeah 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 no i i think that's probably gonna end pretty quickly <laughs> um so even in states just, like california and like washington or colorado i i think people are pretty uncomfortable with that like i don't I don't remember too. I don't. In California, they definitely had that, but it was sort of going away for a while. And in Colorado, where I, I used to live, I remember much more of it. I don't know what the status is now, but 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 I would imagine that there's going to be a lot less of this, a lot less of that than there has. Been. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, a lot of, a lot of things are going to sort of fall away now. It's just like, like even, even non-cannabis related things um, that, that we're going to sadly lose like, like concerts and stuff. Like it just, it just makes, I mean, obviously we have to be safety first, but it's just at the same time, it's, I'm still sort of mourning in a sense, um, the sort of, the sort of way of life that, you know, we're, we've been accustomed to that, you know, just a lot of stuff that we sort of take for granted that we used to be able to do before we're no longer going to be able to do now. Um, but, um, but since, but, but I mean, that's all I've had to sort of bring up. Um, I'm, I'll, I'll let you have the last word. Is there anything you want to, want to plug? Um, can you kind of let the audience know a bit about your work and where they can find you? Sure. Um, so I'm a journalist. I've been covering the industry for, for five years, and I'm the founder and editor of Weed Week, which is a, a journalism company covering the industry. We publish three free newsletters, Weed Week, Weed Week Canada, and Weed Week California. And they're all available for download. Uh, they're all available for free at weedweek.net. We also publish daily original reporting and analysis on the industry and, and cannabis legalization, as well as reports um, with the Weed Week podcast and various other resources. So I hope um, your listeners will check us out at weedweek.net. And we're also on Twitter and Instagram at Weed Week News. Awesome. Awesome. Um, you guys should definitely check out his website, um, Weed Week, like very well designed. Um I was I, I was reading a, a good amount of pretty informative articles and um so uh, again I mean so if you're looking to break up the monotony of um of of other other vendors and other sort of websites you're accustomed to looking for for canvas news I would I would I would highly recommend you give we we week uh, a shot um but I appreciate um, that so much Yeah yeah not not a problem it's a pretty it's a pretty great website um, so again, Alex, I, I really appreciate you taking time out of your day to, to talk and sort of answer the questions I kind of had. And, um, um, thank you so much for your time. I really, really appreciate it. Thanks so much for having me. You.
So you have a good one and, and stay safe. Indeed. I will send you, I'll send you the audio. Do you know when you're going to post this? Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm thinking I might want to post this, um, perhaps, um, I'm, I'm shooting for Thursday-ish or Friday-ish, maybe, for, okay. for, um, like, like what I usually do with, 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 with these sort of episodes is that I, I'll, I'll release them Thursday, I'll release them, like, yeah, like, a couple days earlier for, paying customers and the general public waits a few more waits gets it slightly later so i'm guessing that's what i'll do with this sort of episode but um but yeah um, the target is like thursday or friday cool well thank you so much thank you let me ask you as somebody with a podcast do you have a lot of paying subscribers and like how does that work how's that going um i mean we have a patreon um we yeah so we have a patreon um we're we're, we're gr- i mean i'm not at liberty to discuss specifics with the number of subscribers yeah. but i mean we're 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 starting to grow and we're starting to sort of catch fire um we got about i want to say 2000 downloads per per month on a on average so we're okay. we're getting people yeah we're getting people from from all over the world and um 48 states um plus plus dc and um plus dc and and puerto rico with with exception to i want to say wyoming and west virginia but we're 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 multinational um and and global phenomena awesome cool thanks so much thank you have a good one all right take care bye-bye Hello everyone, welcome to the I Am Cannabis Sativa podcast. I'm your host, Dan Scotland. If you're currently a medical marijuana patient and want to tell your story and be featured on the podcast, feel free to email me at IamCannabisSativa at gmail.com. Feel free to hit me up on Instagram at IamCannabisSativa. Feel free to check out our official Twitter account at Pod. You can also find and subscribe to our podcast on Spotify, iTunes, Anchor FM, Overcast, Radio Public, TuneIn, Stitcher, and the Google Play Music Store. Please rate and review us on iTunes, as rating and reviewing us will bump up the pod on their algorithm and put this project in front of even more eyeballs. If you like what we are doing, please become a Patreon supporter of the podcast and support us. Supporting us helps us keep the lights on, pay rent, pay for hosting, equipment, and travel. You can do this by going to www dot anchor dot fm slash i am cannabis sativa podcast slash support you can also support me on patreon at www.patreon.com slash ic sativa podcast you can support this podcast for as little as one dollar a month we also have a five dollar tier if you are feeling extra generous but i do have one last thing that i want to talk about Howdy y'all, Dan Scotland here, joining you from Legal, Massachusetts, the heartland of America. So before I start the episode, um, I wanted to give a shout out to our Patreon, Reefer Revolution. 
um, we thank you so much for your support and your patronage of this podcast. And um, if you want to be shouted out as as one of the Patreons, you can become a Patreon for just $1 a month. Um, joining gets you many additional benefits, such as early releases on episodes, exclusive episodes, bonus content, and even more. And you can do this by going to www.patreon.com slash podcast, And you can click the Become a Patreon button. And we look forward to seeing you if you can support the podcast. Without further ado, let's start the episode. Howdy, y'all. Dan Scotland here, joining you from Legal Grass, Massachusetts, the heartland of America. So for today's episode, we have a very special episode. We have a repeat guest of this podcast, Joey One Love 420 of the YouTube channel and the organization Keystone State. And he's a cannabis reviewer and activist out in Pennsylvania. Um, we're going to link to the description his um pre the pre- his previous appearance on this podcast. So he's back again. He's talking about his new group. Um, he has a Facebook group. Um, he has an official channel called Keystone State, and they're doing a lot of good work in Pennsylvania. And he's he's doing he's doing his part to make cannabis accessible for regular um, average people, and to to provide a platform where people could freely ask questions about the Pennsylvania program and most importantly they're not they don't need to be intimidated for asking any level of, of, of question so if you're brand new it's a it's a safe haven for you in the Pennsylvania medical marijuana program and um, I'll let him explain what 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 his organization does but without further ado let's get to the episode Hey man. Hey, howdy. How's it going? It's going good. You? Good man. Good. How's this? Uh... Is this video or is this audio? What was that? Is this video or audio? Um, I think it's video for you. I can see you via video, but um, it's just okay. doing audio on my you... end. Okay. I, I was just wasn't sure if I guess if you could see me and I just could see you or what the deal. Yeah, I could see you. All right, it's kind of a little awkward, <laughs> <laughs> but um, how's it going? Pretty good. Um, you? Just another day, man. Yeah, except we're like an hour, like, like forward now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Daylight savings time, I think, is just one big hoax. <laughs> yeah, I think I think they should just keep like the they should they shouldn't have to just forward the clock. They just keep it like the same time across the country. Well, well, I'm not saying get rid of time zones, but just like don't do like the clock forwarding or the clock back stuff anymore. So can you? So I see that you have like a new group called Keystone State and. It's a very sort of great group. Um, you're already getting a lot of like um, fans and a lot of support. And I just kind of wanted to know what the origin story was behind Keystone State and, you know, what the aims of the project were. Um, well, it first started out that uh, I met a guy, Brian, in a different Facebook group, the original founder who started it. It was like 
the first week of him um, drop, like getting it off the ground. And I was in other Facebook groups. I mean, Facebook, you know, it makes it really hard to find like cannabis groups that you could find information on and stuff like, because when you type in like group locator, group finding, like you type in cannabis, like nothing comes up. Like you have to like know an exact group name to type in the find. Like Facebook doesn't make it easy to find these, these educational groups, you know? And the one, like the ones that I have been involved in, it's almost like, if you weren't a weed Einstein, you got pitched forked and 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 chased out of the, out of the group for like asking simple questions, and that really did not sit okay with me. Considering like how I don't understand why people have to be so weed snobs. Honestly, like we should be we trying to spread education out there and like for people to ask questions, that's what it's all about and give right answers, you know, like there, nobody's going to know it, like everything just right off the bat. I don't understand how people expect like something that's been illegal for everybody, like almost every, the employee, like everybody that's a patient now has been, it's been illegal their whole lives. So they have no way to know anything about it, you know? So when they ask the simple questions, it's it, ridiculous that people get hounded. So I wanted to make a safe place where people can come and ask the most simplest of questions without getting harassed and basically feel belittled and a sm smaller of a person just because they don't know what other people know, you know? And I just wanted simple as that, a safe place where some, where people can go without having to be worried about being bullied. Like I've been in several groups where people have said that like, they were afraid to ask questions because of the few like members that are in the group that what they would say like to them in the thread and nobody should ever feel like that. So, and when you join my group, that's one of the main first rules that you have to agree to is that there is an absolute zero tolerance for bullying or any belittling of any kind. Whatsoever. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, like, like I, 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 like with my sort of like podcast like that that was a huge like uh driver of it um not so much like the sort of like like the belittling but more like the it was more like the making it accessible for working people like there are a lot of people out there that you know they work two to three jobs they um they haven't used since their college days so they're like let's say in their late thirties or forties, fifties, you know, they're, they're very busy working people and, you know, they need, they need this, they need to, they need the information to be accessible for them. Like, you know, like, like saving money on, 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 on their purchases in their state. Um, you know, um, finding products that are, are good for them. Um, you know, the process of even getting your card, a lot of the times it's like, oh, um, it's, it's legal, my state. Um, do, do they have, um, are there, um, like, what's the, like, do they allow anyone to get a card or is it just people with cancer, AIDS or whatever? You know, and I, and like you, like you were saying, I don't want anyone to ever feel like intimidated or, or dumb for asking questions. So that's why I'm very, very, patient with my with, with, with the listeners and the people 
that I, I, I invite on to the, to, to be, to sort of be part of the experience. I just, I, I want to make it as accessible to regular, re- regular average Janes and average Joes as, as humanly possible. So, I mean, I, I feel that we share sort of common ground in what we're trying to do with both of our, our projects. So, um, so I just wanted to circle back to the sort of the previous question in, in the sense that, um, how did you come up with like your new logo? Um, I, I really like that, like the, the, the person like painting it and then it goes to like the reviews, which the reviews that you're, you're doing, I'm, I'm loving them even more and more. And it's just like when I try to do cannabis reviews, I'm still sort of new to it. I'm not as I'm still finding my groove, but, um, but yeah, just kind of want to know a bit about like the logo and the idea behind it. Yeah, that I was mainly, uh, my uh, buddy Brian on that one, he simple as that. He just went and uh, paid someone on Fiverr and they made it, they created it. And, and they, they gave us quite a few um, bumpers to put into our, into our video. And that like our quality of videos trem- tremendously. Like it, it made us from looking like we were doing like basement videos, like videos to like higher quality. I mean, don't get don't get twisted. We're still we're still in, our, in the basements in our garages doing the videos, but like it gives it a little bit more spot. You know? Yeah, it's really cheap too. It's really cheap too because I don't have any production experience whatsoever. And like I'm I'm pretty much a total noob when it comes to electronics and production and editing and all that so i'm just now like getting into it and starting to learn like i'm very basic you know like i know the very very little bit and of all of that so it's all a learning experience and it's and it's and it's hard you know it's hard at learning and trying to get this stuff down and especially when you have no prior experience of it and i kind of feel that it's just like how i feel with producing and editing as a lot of people who are new to cannabis, you know, like they're looking for somewhere to go and find information without feeling like some type, like, like, I don't want to say insecure, but feeling like that it's okay to not know and to, and to learn, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, it, it just sort of goes back to making this accessible for people. Like, um, like, you know, when I started this, when I started my sort of project, um, in August of 2018, you know, like I, I sort of had the aims of just making this accessible for, for regular people, you know, and just, I, I sort of took everything like, like one day at a time where, you know, like I, I, I made the int- I made my logo just off like the very basic and rudimentary um, Photoshop skills that I had. And, you know, I, I that's, that's how I made the first sort of logo, which um, I, I did like a logo redesign. But um, like I found with like the redesign, like the Fiverr person that I hired, they did it perfectly. But like some of the text, some of the text, like you couldn't really. um you couldn't really see or whatever. Cause I, I, I try to put like, I put like the main like title of the, the podcast, but then I put cannabis for regular 
for regular people, but then you can't really see that. So I, I went back to the initial logo, which I redesigned, which, you know, was just the I am Canva Sativa podcast, which I mean, I, I feel like simpler is better. And with, with your logo, it's just, it's, it's, it's that gnarly sort of design, which I like. And it's just Keystone State Group. So I, I went and returned back to sort of basics because of that, because, you know, it's all about just making this accessible and making making what you're trying to do as simple as possible to the people you're trying to you're trying to sort of market to and to your audience in general. And I, I feel that we're both pretty good at sort of doing that. Um, yeah, that's like, I'm not even trying to target one specific audience, you know, like I want everybody to know. I want everybody to learn about cannabis, you know, like, and I think, cause I think everybody should, I like, it should just be just as common as going to CBS when you have a cold and getting cough medicine. Like, you know how much you need to take when you're sick and you have a cough, you know, like, you know what you need to get, like, you know how much ibuprofen you need to go and get, like, people just need to have common cannabis knowledge because it should be as common as it once was before it was made illegal. Cannabis was one of the most widely practiced medicines in the enti- on the entire planet until um, Reagan and assholes. <laughs> like, <laughs> like for real. And it's and now like we're just hitting the tip of the iceberg where universities are like allowing research. So like it's just now beginning to see the tip of the iceberg of the potential that cannabis actually has like what has just been discovered the um two new cannabinoids that are they've seen that are 30 times stronger than thc and thca like we would have never imagined the possibility of that how many years like how many years ago and now that the that they're slowly allowing um these universities to do research we're slowly but surely learning a lot more about this plant and it's amazing the potential that it has and people should know the potential that it has everybody not even just medical patients alone yeah yeah i totally i totally sort of agree um like um like the more like like the thing is like i'm trying to like I'm trying to not only just make like it accessible for people, but like I'm trying to like help. I'm trying to sort of help people, like pe- like the people that are like patients or people that are just trying trying to get into it again. That listen to what you you were doing. That listen to what I'm doing. Like I'm trying to get I'm trying to get them to sort of hopefully tell their family members about you know how how much they're benefiting from it and you know maybe get their friends and their family members to sort of advocate for them on on their behalf because you know in in both the states that we live in even though it's it's legal either for adult use no well in pennsylvania it's legal for medical purposes and i think in my state it's legal for both adult and medical purposes but there's still stigma around it like i don't like I don't feel comfortable telling everyone I know yet, and I, I I still feel it's because the environment isn't sort of ripe for it, and you know our politicians still, you know, even in states where it's legal, our politicians still think of it as like a sort of deadhead or or fish drug, and no, no, right, like like 
for instance, for me, like I'm really I'm paranoid. Half the time I'm I'm awake because I am promoting myself out there as a cannabis user and I'm nervous. Like if my employer were to find out, like I honestly don't know how they would react. And it, that's a scary thought, you know. <laughs> like, and because if I lose, if I lost my job, like I literally, I, I everything would fall apart. Like my life would come like tumbling out of spiraling out of control. And I don't know how they would take if they knew the videos I put on the internet and the information that I put out there and my lifestyle even though my lifestyle at home and out of work should have no impact on what i do and how i produce work but apparently it does i mean and it's messed up because people can go home and be alcoholics and go to work and be fine but but like god forbid i smoke a joint when i get done work it's like the end of the world yeah because federal law they could they can fire me but state law state law i'm protected but being like it's just i don't know i don't want to say too much say too much it's just i i'm just in a gray area and it's and it's scary you know yeah if i and if i wasn't a medical patient and like i just and i didn't try to spread knowledge about cannabis and like put myself out there on twitter facebook youtube instagram every platform out there then i would be all right you know like if i just stayed in the shadows and and even just did black market and like stayed completely off grid like i did my entire life would be one thing but like i i just i'm really feel strongly like i feel like i really it's important for everybody to get to get the basic knowledge of cannabis like and i just I don't know. I just feel like it's that time to just, and that's why I've been putting out as much content as possible. And like, I've been doing a lot of repetitive stuff. Like basically I get to a lot of the same questions. Like it's been a lot of older women, I would say asking how to, um, something as basic as getting your kit, like your cannabis card and like what you need uh, to get your card, which is part of what we're doing, um, at, keystonestake.com we're now launching a website and um that that's going to have all the information in there how to get your card um it's going to have cbd option uh to buy pre-rolls and cbd uh other cbd items and uh glass a bunch of other things i don't know big exciting things um are going to be on this new thing that i'm trying to venture out to and uh it's going to be fun um yeah, I'm, pretty, I'm excited about it. <laughs> I'm, I'm nervous, but I'm excited about it at the same time. So this sort of relates to, like, my next question. Um, so how many, like, reviewers do you have on your, um, on, on the Keystone team? Um, is it, do you, like, in, in, in the team and in, like, the both the team and the group, is it mostly Pennsylvania patients and advocates? Or do you have folks from other states like New Jersey, Delaware, Maryland, so on and yeah. so forth? Yeah, I mean, it's mostly like the tri-state uh, area, but um, yeah, there, there's a few people from Colorado and California, but it's mainly Jersey and um, Maryland, Maryland and Jersey and, and Pennsylvania. That's like, 
mainly our frequent members. But um, for the official team, it's 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 just me and uh me and the founder Brian. That like is the official team. Nice. Yeah, it's just us two. That's what we've been literally the last I've I have like a serious it looks like I'm almost homeless if you haven't seen me earlier like what well, I haven't been shaved like I've been doing all my work on straight like have no time to even shave I've just been like working on this website and trying to get everything going and with regular work and my life's been crazy and it's just <laughs> it, it it's that's why I felt the need to say that so that way like you knew I wasn't actually homeless by looking at me <laughs> by my crazy beard I got going on because I normally don't have this but uh yeah yeah, yeah, I yeah, I, I get it. It's you know we're all pretty darn busy, you know. Like who who isn't? Like I'm trying to sort of, I'm trying to hustle and trying to get um, um, better better work um, because I'm sort of yeah I'm trying to I'm trying to improve my um I'm trying to make my work situation even better and um and with this podcast like it's 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 growing like beyond what I would have ever hoped. You know, it's like um. Like, like if you had told me I would have had people from 40 different countries listening, like, like, like August 2018, I would have been like, what? Um, it's just, it's, it's crazy. Like I have like people all over the country. I think I want to say 47 states. So every state besides, um, North Dakota, Wyoming and West Virginia. And, um, I'm, I'm trying to, I try to like tailor content. I try to get to, I, I can't always do like I I do on average about seven to ten episodes a week. Um, it's been a bit less because I've been busy these last couple of weeks. But I try to I try to tailor content to every single sort of state and every single sort of audience. And I'm I'm mindful of like you know like I don't know every single city and every single state that's listening, but I I have a good idea because I check the stats. But, um, but, but do do you find that's how I originally first, that's the reason why I actually started first started listening to your podcast is when I was, when I clicked on, I seen all the content you had because a lot of cannabis podcasts, there's, they don't do many shows often. Maybe it's once a week, maybe it's once, once a month, once every other week, maybe. And who wants to listen to a podcast that had like, doesn't give you almost daily or even recent content like nobody wants their content that far spread out you know so like i've seen all the content you had and i was like huh okay like well this guy obviously is going to be giving me daily updates on what's going on in the in in the cannabis world so that's originally what piqued my curiosity like piqued me to check your show out is when i scrolled through all your shows on spotify i was like wow he's got a lot of episodes and then i even saw like pennsylvania and quite a few of the titles so i was like oh yeah so then that's what like originally made me check you out now i listen to your podcast almost every day <laughs> awesome i it's not lost on me like i appreciate all all the the listenership i get and it's it's really humbling it, like it sort of moves me a bit when i have people from from states i've never been to my entire life like really interested um like i have a surprising amount of people and like like Texas, it's all over Texas too, and they just, they just have um basic like um what's the name, like they're how 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 against the Texas government is too. 
yeah, yeah. Um, they can't, they can't even get simple decrim through, um, and their medical program is like, like CBD doesn't go around there. Yeah, just CBD. <laughs> no, I know it was a joke, but I was just saying. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. So I wanted to talk about like the shortages that that have been happening in in Pennsylvania. Oh, God. Okay. Yeah. Right on that, dude. Don't even get me started. It's been something serious. Like, and the available product that is is outrageously expensive. So, um, on at. I know, like you're mostly about flour, right? Like you're you're a flour guy. I've I've been I'm yeah. have drifted more so towards the concentrates, and that actually wasn't even by choice. So I feel like I got played by the fucking system once again <laughs> in my life. So hear me out. Um, there was literally zero flour available the last several months. Like couldn't find flour to save your ass. Like literally, all that was available was concentrates. So you think um, on average your normal THC percentage in on flour is between 14 and 25%, you know, on average. So you go from that your whole entire life. Like since I was 13, that's what I've smoked my entire life. And then to not doing concentrates whatsoever and then every day multiple times a day consuming 80 to 99 percent thc concentrates put your tolerance up there like flour doesn't even touch me it doesn't even touch my ailments anymore like i need rso or concentrates to even touch like for it to have a medical medicinal purpose for me like if if i'm just chilling out and kicking it like yeah i could smoke flour but to reach like the actual medical potential that I needed to, I, I I can't even smoke flour now. Where I used to be able to use that as my medicinal purpose, but now I've I've gotten so used to consuming so high and so much of the THC, like it's like I build a tolerance, you know. It's like really unfortunate. Yeah. <laughs> I can't- like take a and I can't really like take like a that much of a tolerance break either. So, so we were talking about like supply issues in Pennsylvania, and I know that that's been a thing that's been a problem with the program. Um, I want to add, ask, I want to ask something to add on to that question. Like, I've been hearing a lot of people saying that because of the fact that anxiety was added to the qualifying condition list, um, that there have been people have been. Scapegoating the shortages on that. Um, do you do you happen to think that that's part of the reason, or do you think there's something else at sort of play? And um, you know, there's way bigger play than that. But I mean, it has a huge factor, yeah. Because once anxiety was added onto the list, like literally any Joe Schmo can go get a card. Um, so. So here's a fun little fact. So um, there should be 25 growers in PA should be producing medicine, and only 10 growers are actually producing. And 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 half of those 10 can't produce quality medicine if it slapped them in the fucking face. <laughs> <laughs> like, for, like for real. So and also since 2018, there um, like a second round of permits of 13 were issued. 
and only about two or three of them has started shipping medications since 2018. And, and, and each and every single one of them promised that they would have product producing within six months. Wow. That's almost two years ago. So do you, the, do you attribute like that to the, like, the foot dragging? Like be getting fined for not putting out medicine. Like, <laughs> what are you doing? Like, literally, what are you doing? Like, that seems shady. Yeah. So do you just, do you, do you attribute that to, like, like sort of, like, foot dragging of, like, the government in, in, in Pennsylvania? Or, is, or, or are there other things happening? No, uh, yeah, Penn, um... A lot of it has to do with um, Dr. Rachel Levine, who's a friggin' idiot when it comes to cannabis. Um, I'm not going to discredit her for her other knowledge in other medicine areas, but cannabis is not her strong suit. I mean, and nor do I fault her for it. You know, I mean, she's an older boomer who went to Harvard and Tulane University in medicine like and like I was saying earlier in our podcast like not until recently was cannabis able to even start being researched in universities so I don't fault her for her like not knowledge of cannabis but put somebody don't make the department of PA department of health in charge of the whole program and then if you don't know left from right simple as that you know yeah like, I don't she know. Got, she, the Department of Health uh, just put out a survey um, for Pennsylvania patients. I mean, and unfortunately, like, there was not everybody, like, there wasn't, like, a crap ton of people that had participated in the um, survey. Or, I mean, I personally think the survey might have gotten, like, altered a little bit because it favored too, too greatly that patients were satisfied with this program. And right there, I was like, there's no fucking way that there's an overwhelming satisfaction result about how this program is run. Because I'm active in the PA medical community, and majority is not happy. Like, there's a reason why people go to Harrisburg once a month to protest. <laughs> like, <laughs> there's a reason for that why Pittsburgh and Philly normal and Lehigh Valley normal go there at least once a month because we are not happy. Like we're trying to get home grow because they obviously can't get the job done. So we could do it ourselves. And it also goes to, um, to the fact like, like these growers, like I was saying, like couldn't produce quality medicine. If it hit them in the face, like, um, if you have the slightest bit of a criminal record, you can't get a job in the cannabis industry. So, I mean, I don't know about you, but majority of my stoner friends that have extensive knowledge at least has have paraphernalia charges. You know? Wow. Like, I mean, think about it. Like, it's been illegal for almost ever now. So... The only way you're going to have experience is if you were breaking the law for some, at least some time, you know? So you shouldn't be so discriminatory on who they hire to grow their medicine. And, and it's like, it's like I say in my podcast, like all the East coast States besides Maine, which Maine has been doing cannabis since, um, they've been doing medical since the nineties, like the West coast. And, um, they, I feel they, like 
people don't do that. <laughs> yeah. And um, so they're like the they're like the Colorado, the East Coast, but every other state besides them, there it's I always say that all the other states have a cartel cannabis system where you just have big multi multi um, national inter I mean multinational um, companies that set up shop in multiple states. You know, there 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 are these companies founded by people. Like you said, they don't really have experience with cannabis, but they have lots of cash to throw at it. So they're the ones growing. They're the ones, you know, doing it. And they're not doing it with the love and care that, you know, that I've, I, again, I've, I've had black market cannabis in my college days that was louder than any other, that was louder and more potent. Um, I mean, I don't want some of that potent at, at, at 30 right now. I just, I, I, I don't, I don't want to be, I don't want to be, uh, I don't want to be wasted like a college student these days anymore, but like, it just feels like, like they're, they're, they're mass producing this in all of these other, in all of these states up and down the East coast. And, you know, you and I are suffering because we don't have that expertise that, you know, they, they probably have a charge or whatever. And also the price towards getting in the legal market whether adult use in my state or medical, you have to have millions of dollars to even have a shot. So it's just a, a confluence of factors that are making the quality and the price of what we get just so astronomical right now. Um, do you, so do you know of any other people suffering shortages? What, what was that? Do you know, um, like, so do you like, like, we we talk about the shortages like in the last question, but do you like like is everyone in 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 your group sort of experiencing that, or is it like it's all over? Yeah, it's all at least Pennsylvania. Um, uh, I I know there's a couple uh, Maryland people that seem to be having doing quite well, but um, I know Jersey's not doing good uh for concentrates at least um flour doesn't seem to be a shortage anymore in pa flour there seems to be a decent bit amount but i mean the prices are normally like 14 to 20 dollars a gram or like 40 to 45 to like 65 dollars for for an, an eighth yeah it's, it's about how much we pay in massachusetts yeah about 15 a gram or so yeah but no, that's like, but that's that's more. So you're gonna be paying like twenty a gram. Like there's like one or two dispensaries that that will give certain uh, growers fourteen dollars a gram. You know. Mm. Wow. No. Um. So is it? So do you think that they need it? They don't. They don't sell anything above an eighth either. Like you can't get. Uh, court anything above eighth. Like if you want, like if you want a quarter, like you gotta get two ways. Oh, yeah. And 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 if you do that, I saw one dispensary um, out here sell a, sell a quarter, and it was on Valentine's Day, and they all and it and, and it was also labeled small buds, popcorn so, nuts. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it, go touching on what you were saying about the quality, literally. That, and this is a big reason why I stopped um, – like I kept with concentrates when the flower started to appear more often was because the quality is – it's not there. Like literally I don't even need to use my grinder to break 
this weed up, dude. Like it literally turns to dust and when I crumble it in my hand. Like I rehydrate like if and if I'm going to, I'm gonna rehydrate it with spinach leaf. Best way to rehydrate your your dry flour is to rehydrate it for like four to six hours with a little bit of spinach leaf and it'll be perfectly hydrated to, to press for rosin and stuff. But or just simply rehydrate it. Um but it's incredibly dry. No matter what the grower is, like if you if you're getting bud from a dispensary, you can best believe it's going to be dry, and you're and you're going to need to rehydrate it before you consume it. If you don't want to like just make it turn to dust, as you do with whatever. And it's also for us to smoke, so there's that too. So when you go to vaporize it, you need a little, you need it to be hydrated. You can't have completely dried shit that turns to dust when you vaporize your shit. Yeah. So yeah, I never, I never thought of that. Um, spinach leaf, like I've heard, like I've heard other people say, oh, you should put an orange peel, but I, I'm skeptical of that because, because uh, wouldn't that cause mold if you were to put an orange peel? Yeah, but- Literally, go to Walmart, buy a bag of spinach leaves for it's like two or three dollars, and keep it in the fridge and then um what i do is i take a couple maybe for an eighth i'll use maybe four spinach leaves three four spinach leaves put it in a little airtight container no more than six hours like because otherwise your bud will be so hydrated it would be soaked it's crazy i i've like i there's this guy eric asher out here who presses rosin for patients for free like like he paid he um he's a he's a war vet and um he's a really great guy uh, he um he try he spreads the cannabis knowledge um mostly about rosin he's um he does pre- he presses everybody's uh, rehydrated dispensary flour for free um he's all about spreading the knowledge and he's a great dude um so uh, and now this weed did a, just did a uh, segment on him and it's pretty cool it's pretty cool that I know somebody who now this weed did a segment on <laughs> um wow. yeah but um. I'll, I'll send you the link to uh, to his stuff, like so you can check it out. But um, yeah, what was I saying again? Oh yeah, like he sp- he presses uh, rosin uh, for free, and I um, actually forget why I was saying that, so I'm sorry. <laughs> no worries. Yeah, like I I feel like my users or my listeners would really want to know that. Um, I have quite a bit of like listeners in all over Pennsylvania as well, and um, like any any little bit that can sort of help them is, 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 is key. Um, I don't, I don't know any, I don't know any people doing like rings and presses, um, in Massachusetts, but, um, but yeah, I mean, yeah. I know people all the time on Facebook, like he'll, he'll reach out and say like, Hey, I'm doing pressing free pressings from this time to this time, contact me. And like, he puts it out there for the public to see. So if anybody in Pennsylvania is a patient and you have, rehydrated dispensary flour just follow him on social media and he'll let you know when he'll be able to press it for you for free without a charge i mean he accepts donations and um he uh, his goal is to build um small homes small mobile homes for homeless war vets that's what he wants to do it's his um like what his end goal in this is to be able to eventually like when recreation hits he's got a few plans whenever that decides to finally happen um 
and he wants to give back and it's 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 crazy he's, he's got a heart of gold so look him up eric asher he's um e-r-i-k asher and um yeah that's how i find him on social media oh i mean it's it's great when you have many people, people like that in the world that does stuff for free like that too yeah yeah um okay so i i, don't, I think i have only like two real questions left um so this this goes back to Dr. or Secretary Levine. Um, so I remember, so I read one survey, I think it was like a month ago. Or I think it was a survey you were talking about that people are spending like over $100 a month or over $200 yeah, a month on average. They said over $200 a month. That's bullshit. I spend $200 a week. Wow. Yeah, that's like a car payment pretty much. More than a car payment, dude. Like, like I've on average, like because I've been trying to save up to move back to the eastern side of PA, like I've been having to cut back on it. So like I've only been spending a hundred to one hundred fifty a week. But dude, that's that, that's insane. That's I'm still spending four hundred, five hundred dollars a month on on medication that I'm not that I'm getting not even getting the amount I should. If I chose to go black market, I could get an eighth of concentrated shatter for a hundred and ten dollars that's three that's three point three and a half grams i can i can get for a hundred and ten where i get mainly if i'm lucky if terrapin if if the dispensaries have terrapin for 55 a gram but if i'm not lucky because if i'm not if i have to get medicine after 11 a.m after the dispensary has been open for an hour and all the con affordable concentrates are gone i'm stuck at getting a hundred dollar gram Wow, so it's so it's one to three and a half. That's the difference between um, government marijuana and black market marijuana. That's a big difference. Big yeah. difference. Yeah, I've had to. I've like um like now like I'm just sort of off the books at the moment. Like I didn't renew my, I didn't renew my Massachusetts medical card because like I'm just. Like I'm just over these prices. Like um, I've been a patient since 2017, and like we're still like even though we have adult use, we have I think I want to say 30, 35 adult use dispensaries and about 60 medical dispensaries throughout the state. I just I, I'm sick of like it's like it's like it's like they're almost like it's gonna sound like I'm having like I'm like I'm having like a tinfoil hat right now, but it feels like they're colluding to keep the prices at 15 a gram for flour and like 70 per gram for concentrate. Like I haven't seen any real changes in the prices. Like I'm, what am I paying to renew every year if they're not making any real effort to make this affordable? But the thing is, like I talked about how, how Maine has, has, a very very cheap cannabis so i i have a connect over in maine that just gets it to me for i pay it 125 an ounce and um that's that's more tenable for me and um i just i got a um i got like a um i i did like the tel telemedicine thing with <clears throat> excuse me with um a company called nug md so i have like a california certification right now because maine accepts out-of-state cards so if i have to just I have to just go to Maine or whatever, I can just do that. And I think Rhode Island accepts out of state. So 
Like I'm, I'm checked out of the mass system right now. I'm probably gonna. I don't see you, dude. Like if it, if it, if it was up to me, like if I was from here, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be a PA member. I wouldn't be a PA medical patient. No way. If I still lived in Jersey, and if I had like, or if I even still lived on Eastern PA where I could drive to Jersey, I would, I would still, I would go black market, no doubt. Like, but I don't know anybody. I don't have friends out here, you know. So it's like someone like me who had to relocate somewhere where they didn't grow up and like didn't really have like doesn't work in an environment where like i'll meet connections like because and that's the thing where like how people get mistaken why uh cannabis is a gateway drug because like it's that like you have to be introduced to a black illegal market and with shady people (laughs) so like so like if you're not if you if you're not if you don't grow up like knowing connections like it's kind of hard to just go into somewhere like relocate for a job you're in a very professional setting you're gonna find like a connection there you know so it's someone who picked up it goes like somewhere new has to keep going regular you know medical but i don't blame you dude i if i lived back home or if i lived back east i wouldn't be a patient no way no way my quality of life would be tenfold because I would literally be able to save money even. Holy shit. That's like crazy to even think about being able to save money. Like I live paycheck to paycheck because of the because of the medication. Like if it wasn't for medication, I'd be able to maybe get ahead in life. But spending yeah, an extra $500 a month, $550 a month, that's a big difference. Like that, that's – insane really i don't know what else to say right um so like my final question is um so do you do you see any sort of hope for reform because i've been reading articles where like there are a number of municipalities in pennsylvania that sort of make um cannabis offenses like a low priority but i'm also reading articles that they're still busting even in these cities where it's sort of kind of decriminalizing Pennsylvania, there's still there's still a lot of charges, there's still a lot of people sort of suffering, even though a number of cities have, have, have lowered penalties. Mm-hmm. Um, is there any sort of hope for reform in terms of statewide decrim or, you know, make it's, home grow, it's, all that? It's on the, I mean, that's why we go to Harrisburg once a month, you know? <laughs> Um, that we're, we're trying for home grow or fighting for home grow. I'm realistically, I mean, this is just my like guess. This is, this is by no means like of any, anything that I know, but like, I have a feeling probably within the next two to three years, maybe it'll be rec legal. But as for that, I mean, you see the, arrest going low for lower for possession but actually what's happening is that us patients are getting arrested for duis like crazy if you look the pi dui rate duis have gone up tremendously because once the say officer pulls us over he sees a 30 year old kid and to him a 30 year old um kid in in the um in the car so he thinks he's up to something. Sees uh, get, the guy gives him his 
a medical card. He now knows he's a medical patient, and you can't refuse to get sent to the hospital for a blood test, or it's an automatic guilty DUI in PA. So they take our blood, and you can't prove that you were not under the influence at the time because cannabis stays in your system for so long that there's no way to prove that you weren't under the influence at the time. So that proves as a guilty admission. So that's been like a real gray area right now, like arrests and cops. And it's just, it's, it's like the wild west out there right now. It's insane. So I would assume that that's like the, that's like the, like besides like, like, even above it's like safer, patient it home to just it's safer to just take a fucking black market misdemeanor charge than it is to show a cop your your medical card and right and give him reason to send you to the hospital to for a DUI test isn't that insane yeah that's like nuts it, it's better yeah it's better to just get caught with an ounce of, ounce of chronic or um yeah, because I think you gotta have like less than an ounce. I I could be wrong, right? but I think it's I think it's like an ounce, an ounce or less is is just like a a ticket. It's just like maybe like a twenty or fifty dollar ticket, if that. In Pittsburgh, at least. Um, so, yeah. so I'm guessing that's like that's like you know like the advocates sort of priority right now to like sort of get rid of this like this tyranny with like people showing their cards and people getting busted. I mean, I'm guessing that's even a higher priority than, than homegrown or any any of the other things that are issues. Am I wrong in that? Or? I mean, it's 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 neck and neck, you know? I mean, it, it, is, it is a big priority. It's a very, very important priority because it's so, it's such a gray area. Like, I, I'm literally, like, I don't keep my driver's license and my ID card in the same slot in my wallet. It's ever since people ever since like I started seeing on Facebook everywhere more and more people like posting um, about them getting a DUI and sent to the hospital and the cops forcing them to take a blood test. And even though they weren't high at all and didn't medicate at all that day that they still got charged with a DUI and now that's on their insurance for God knows how long now they got to pay ten, eleven thousand dollars in court fees and fines and that's a DUI ruins people's lives. Yeah. Like it's, like it's no joke and it's just as bad as like as getting a criminal record almost. Like it it really is. Like it'll screw you up and it's it, they don't care. It's it, the government I mean I could get I could go so far off on this so <laughs> <laughs> honestly um so it's just it's all about money man you know so like if they're not gonna if if if, if this goes away they'll just find something else i guess the drug war it's a lot of, it's what it is it's, it's just a revolving door man um so like like um so closing thoughts like um just i kind of want to want to give you like the last word um Anything else you sort of want to talk about or promote? Um, just uh, the check me out on um, YouTube at Joey One Love and um, to, on Facebook it's the Keystone State Group. 
and check us out. It's um, it's a really good place to get good quality cannabis information and cannabis culture and good strains. Uh, not even just from me and the Keystone team, but from patients all and not even just patients, um, just cannabis enthusiasts from around doesn't have to be medical um in my eyes it's all medical and all cannabis use is medical to me um so it's it's everybody sharing all their knowledge about what they know and what they have and just it's it's a it's a fun group so it's it'd be cool to check out definitely like i i love your reviews you're like one of my favorite like reviewers um like like I don't know, you just make it so accessible, um, and it's I, I I'm a huge fan of your reviews, and I would highly recommend that my listeners check out um, Keystone State reviews, and um, you'll you'll get a lot out of it, especially if you live in Pennsylvania. Um, so Joey, thank you so much for taking the time and being patient with the earlier technical difficulties. Oh no! Yeah, man, no, no. It's it's understandable that this shit happens all the time. I I appreciate you for having me, man. I love being on. I love your show. So I and I appreciate you being a fan of mine as well. And I I would love to do a show anytime, man. Like I I I love being I love being on your show. <laughs> Thank you. All right, man. Take it easy, man. You too. Bye. Right, have a good. One. Bye. Bye. Howdy. Hey, how are you doing? Doing good. How about you? I'm doing good. I'm a little nervous, but I'm mostly okay. I think I'll be fine. I'm just, yeah, just working through my jitters, but I feel prepared and and I won't cuss, I promise. <laughs> I'll, I'll keep it very good. And um, I thought too, it's like I, I'll try not to lay into the Republicans too hard because I, you know, I want to give it mainly an upbeat tone and encourage people to, you know, contact and support the bill. And I saw some tips about, you know, contacting the committee members, thanking them, and I can throw that in there. And I've got the number handy, and um, I've got all my screenshots. So just um, however you want to proceed. And if I freeze up, I know you know enough. You know what you're doing, and you know enough about the topic. We can, you know. If I do get forgetful, it'll be okay. Yeah, no, no worries. Um, so, um, could you sort of like, if you if you're at liberty to sort of discuss this, could you sort of like like sort of give a little bit of a background as to a, a bit about what you're about, what 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 your aims are, um, what um, how you're trying to sort of go about um, act, cannabis activism in um, in in Kentucky, right? Yeah, um, you know, I got involved when I got involved in the Democratic Party doing my Twitter project um, that I used to do and just, you know, I've put that aside, but um, I helped Jason Maynard and some other people um, find out the Democrat um, reps and senators, the candidates and the ones who were already in office, find out, um, are you for medical marijuana? And most of them were pretty active on Twitter, and they responded publicly. So the ones that didn't and that they didn't have on their list as having a yes or a no or a not sure, I contacted them privately, and most came on board. 
um, over 80, 85% of the reps and um, pretty similar numbers for senators. So, um, <clears throat> the, you know, the Democratic Party has been very supportive and the Republican Party is, you know, they're picking up support. It's just been a slower process. So that's how I came to be involved. And I've contacted my senator for, this is the fourth year now regarding the issue. I held off on not contacting my rep because I didn't really know him that well. And it's such a conservative county and very fundamentalist religion. So I was honestly kind of scared. I'm like, am I going to get put on some kind of police watch list if I call for medical marijuana? And it took other people saying, no, that's not going to happen. You just need to call and voice your opinion of support. Just keep it simple. And, you know, if you choose to share your story, you can. Um, and I've shared a little bit of that sometimes at times. Um, so, you know, gradually I started feeling more comfortable and I, I contacted Representative Reed, and I did get a postcard back from him, you know, thanking me. He's not for it. Um, I've not heard from my senator, unfortunately, but um, I became more comfortable um, as the year went on last year and sharing more of my medical story. And, you know, most people in the public are supportive. Um, and even the people that I've talked to who are conservative Republicans who initially are skeptical about it, once they understand, yes, the research is there, you know, no, this is not going to lead to a drug problem. And, you know, they're just, they're undereducated on the topic. So, and then once they can see also the people who know me personally, just the phenomenal gains I've made in regaining my physical health, um, they they understand and they're supportive. I've not had anybody that I've opened up to say, oh, that's terrible. You shouldn't be doing that. You know, marijuana is dangerous. And I've not had any pushback like that. So that's kind of, you know, and I've, I haven't paid as close attention this year until just recently because, you know, I've decided to leave behind that political project. Um, it was way too time consuming and I neglected a lot of of things in my personal life. Um, there's great candidates out there. The Democrats in Kentucky are doing a lot of great things. Um, I really believe in them, but a lot of them can't win. It's, you know, it's an uphill battle and they have a hard time even just getting some basic common sense legislation they're proposing, getting that heard in Frankfurt. So I thought I'm shifting my personal goals. You know, I'm planning on going back to school probably getting some part-time employment, those things wouldn't have been possible this this time last year. And, you know, it's, I've only made those gains because of just minimal use of cannabis. And so that's kind of where I stand now on the topic. And, you know, I do try to keep up with it on Twitter um, and keep up with other activists. I've, you know, made some friends in the community, um, haven't had a chance to meet those people in person because I was too sick to go to Frankfurt. Um, and right now it's just so much going on in my personal life and I'm not close to Frankfurt. So I don't think I will be able to get to the activism days. I don't have anybody locally who is interested in that cause, unfortunately. 
everybody I know is out of town on social media. So, but I am following it and I'm keeping up with it. I'm making those calls and, you know, planning to contact the committee members, thank them for hearing the legislation and, and doing their part to advance the issue and work toward getting medical marijuana passed. Definitely. Um, it, and it really sort of highlights the point. Like, I mean, I sort of take for granted that, you know, being that I sort of live in a legal state, that a lot of people in in in, in states where there's still prohibition, like they're afraid of even writing to their sort of Congress people because they're afraid that, you know, they may get they may face like negative repercussions they may be on some cop watch list and or they or they feel that you know their neighbors or you know people they know will frown upon it um and it's really yeah and it's really sort of interesting how you sort of told your story and how you know you were afraid at first but then when when you told your story and when you wrote to your congress people or your your assembly people they were you know they were pretty supportive um of 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 how it has helped you and it just it just it just sort of highlights how you know you you just gotta sort of make that first step and you know it's it's easier than you think it might be right you know I, i do think that holds people back especially in counties like mine where you've got anti um cannabis you know representative and senator people are scared and when i went to the kentuckians for medical marijuana booth here at our local festival in september there would be people who would pass by and they would look and they might some of them might come back and they might pass by again and some of them would eventually come in but um people were afraid to even stop and look at the booth you know and it was just basic information they had a big poster um of, you know, the name of the organization, then the name of all kinds of health conditions that medical marijuana is useful for. They had information on how to contact your elected officials in Frankfurt to voice your support, just a simple postcard with, you know, I support medical marijuana for patient access and the phone number. So, you know, after I talked to, I initially just went to say, thank you for all you've done you know, to work toward getting medical marijuana passed in Kentucky. They've been at this for several years. And um, and then I ended up stick, sticking around and helping talk to people. Um, and people opened up to me, you know, sharing their stories. Some people you would not even imagine, like rural men talking about very intimate health issues that and problems they'd had with pharmaceuticals that they didn't have with cannabis. But You know, and they were selling T-shirts just to basically cover the cost of, you know, traveling down here and um, the booth fees, things like that. They're not out to make a profit. Um, And, you know, I knew one woman who I knew she used cannabis and so did her boyfriend. And she says to me in a hushed tone, she's like, where would you wear that shirt here around town? You know, and it was a very simple design of the state of Kentucky with cannabis leaves and a wheelchair um, a, you know, a stylized figure in a wheelchair with a cannabis leaf in the spoke of the chair and said, you know, Kentuckians for medicinal marijuana. So, you know, I've seen that. Are, um, I've seen yeah. that account on Twitter. Um, I, I like that logo. Yeah, it's a good logo. You know, it's 
it's very eye-catching and distinctive, I think. And it's, you know, they've really worked hard to dispel the myth that, oh, marijuana is a bunch of stoner, hippies, party people. You know, it's like, no, people are sick. This plant will help sick people. And, you know, there's some there's some um, kind of division among people who support it because the bill has to get watered down and, you know, home grow is just not going to happen right now in Kentucky. And there are people who are not pleased with that, but we have to make those concessions and accept a more tightly regulated bill right now because, you know, you have patients who cannot access it. They don't, you know, they can't get it or, you know, children with disorders like, you know, Dravet's. I have a friend who has um, a daughter with Dravet's syndrome, um, a rare epilepsy disorder. She was having to medicate her child on tubes of Valium, which still would not stop these seizures. I've seen testimony um, in Frankfurt of other parents with very sick children and, you know, they can't give cannabis to their children or they would risk having their children taken away. So, we have to have a tightly regulated bill because that's the only thing that has a chance of passing right now. And that would allow, you know, those people to treat their children and the people who really need this right now for medical conditions that pharmaceuticals just aren't cutting it, cutting it for them for whatever reason. And, you know, then work to, you know, in the following sessions, okay, then we're going to try home grow later on, you know, and I'm hoping, you know, with the, you know, the public opinion poll, it just keeps getting stronger. The last study showed a 90% approval rate in Kentucky. So the numbers keep going up consistently and with bipartisan support. So we will get there, you know, we will get home grow, I think, but it's just, it's not going to happen this time. So, you know, and there then there are people who are for recreational, and um, I do believe in recreational use. I don't call for those because of the fear of I don't want to get labeled as a stoner. You know, I'm using this in a very small amount medicinally, and I don't want to get labeled for that. I do talk to other people about it, but, um, you know, that has no chance, and some of those people, you know, too, are not happy with some of the tightly regulated measures in the medical bill. But, you know, it's it's a process, you know, so it will get there. It's just going to take some time. Yeah. Um, so there were like a number of bills that I've sort of read through. Um, um, so let's so I mean I've read I've read through sort of HB one thirty six um, the I think the companion bill in the Senate SB one oh seven it looks like those perhaps have the best chance of of passing their sort of very sort of tightly regulated like um, there were a number of concerns I had about those two sort of of, of bills that I I mentioned um, like one of the one of the major concerns I have personally with it is that. Um, it, it, 
it has like like again like you said you have to make sort of concessions given the environment but like it has this no smoking in in public places and in front of kids and again like we don't have that with any other pharmaceutical but um there are like but like in a lot of states even in all in all the adult use states you can't smoking in public is prohibited and i think nevada goes as far as to make it a misdemeanor if you do it and um the 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 thing that concerns me most is the one where it says that it can't be used on school grounds you just talked about saw one with i think the vase syndrome or whatever so like that parent's gonna have to come that parent's got to pick up is gonna have to like leave like if they work like a if they work a a job where they don't have time off or they have to they have to leave their job go to the kids school go back home administer the medicine and then and then they have to drop the kid back at school and then drive back home like that's my number that's probably the number one concern i have but again like you said it's a process and Again, you might have to make those very tyrannical, in my opinion, um, concessions to get something through. And another sort of thing I had a concern with was the employers are permitted to discriminate against marijuana, medical marijuana users. But I mean, even in even in sort of states with more sort of liberalized laws um, like mine, like our state Supreme Court said that um that they do they do have to sort of provide accommodation but most states even the blue states are are um, what's the name at will employment so good luck proving that they can just say the employer right. can just be like you know they weren't a cultural fit like that's like even though there's there's protection somewhat in my state i i still face discrimination and and in a bunch of other states that's the case um so could you just sort of like walk walk us through those two bills and whether and are those the ones that have the best chance of passing? Um, I, I've read the other ones, but we'll we'll get back to those um, a little bit later in the okay. discussion. Yeah, um, those definitely are the ones with the best chances. Um, House Bill One Thirty Six is pretty much the same bill as last time, and last time that had fifty three co sponsors in the House, so you had. You know, over half of the House with bipartisan support. Um, the lead author on that bill is Representative Jason Nemus, a Republican from Louisville. Um, John Sims, a Democrat, he's also one of the lead people on that again this time. Um, you know, pretty much all the Democrats are on board. You've got some other Republicans. So, um, you know, as you say, they are tightly controlled. Um, they do have in um, House Bill 136. A list of conditions, um, and Jason Nemus wanted to have, you know, let the doctor decide as to the medical problem and whether cannabis should be used to treat that, and not have a list of conditions. But they um, they're not wanting to go for that, you know. So they put in a list of conditions, and I think there is a section in there that would allow for a little bit more discretion. It doesn't have to be exactly, you know, that condition on the list. I think there are, are, you know, um, issues that would touch for chronic pain, you know, muscle problems, um, things like that that are more general. Um, You know, the, the the main problem is 
in the state Senate. Um, you have the state leadership Senate who you've got some anti-cannabis people. So last time the bill, it barely got voted out of committee in the House right at the end of the session. It never came to the House floor for a vote. So the hearing, if I'm not mistaken, for House Bill 136 is on February the 12th. So that's coming up soon. Hopefully, you know, it will move better this time. Um, but the Senate is where the roadblock is going to be. Um, and, you know, I did notice, like, on the Senate version of the bill, you do have some bipartisan people on that, too. Like, Senator Jimmy Higdon is one um, from Marion County. He's been a vocal cannabis supporter. His son wrote the book about the Cornbread Mafia. Um, so, um you know, it is, it, both are bipartisan bills, um, but from what I've been told by a trusted source, you know, saying that the House is not going to pass their bill if they don't think it will have a chance of passing the Senate, if the Senate's going to oppose it. So right now, there's, you know, I noticed a Courier Journal reporter, you know, expressing some concern as to whether the Senate leadership would pass it again, you know, if they would allow that this year. Um, the Stivers, the Senate president, is seems like he might be open to that this year, but it's really uncertain. You know, that's the unfortunate thing about these bills. There's just a lot of uncertainty still. You know, so many people have given just so much good testimony in all the past sessions, personal testimony, um, doctors have testified, health professionals, you've had people testify on a wide range of health problems. Um, I've watched many of those testimonies. Everyone has done such an excellent job of advocating. And, you know, that's hard in a state where we've got a high poverty rate and Frankfurt is not easily accessible to a lot of lower income people and a lot of sick people to get there and to be able to be active. So, you know, the state is spread quite far apart and, um, you know, that's an issue. So, um, but there have been, you know, more activists pop up and try to do things locally. Um, you know, there have been some um, cities, even some small towns past like the lower level ordinance um, arrest priority, um, LEPO, um, let's see what that stands for, um, lowest law enforcement priority ordinance. So, you know, Louisville has relaxed a lot. They're not going after cannabis anymore. The attorney there said, I'm not bothering with this. And there's been some other small towns where that has passed. Um, so, you know, I think with those measures of local support and getting relaxed coming in, that might help things along this time. Um, you know, just the general climate and the public perception, you know, is changing and the support is growing. So I'm hopeful, but yet I'm still guarded because the Senate leadership is our biggest roadblock. You know, it's our biggest roadblock. The bill is pretty much the same in the House this year as it was last. And They've put together a lot of work to, you know, like we talked about, make concessions and try to appease law enforcement who, you know, they don't want smokable. So, you know, I'm, I'm hoping that. I love how like law enforcement, 
I love how law enforcement is like, oh, we don't make we don't make the laws. We just enforce it. And then in in a lot of states, they're like, oh, well, no smokable or, or no homegirl. Like in, in neighboring New Hampshire, like they they were testifying against homegirl. Like the cop unions were literally doing that. Like, I love how that's. Oh, no. the, yeah, I love how that's the case in all over the the country. Like the cops are just hugely against it, even though they don't make the laws. <laughs> right, right. And um, you know the one um, the one issue there's some debate on in terms of the medical issue about revenue. Um, that the GOP is saying a bill that will make a little bit of revenue is not going to pass. Um, House Bill 136, which is, you know, a GOP bill with Nemus as the sponsor, it includes a 12% excise tax right now. Um, but, you know, you know, you're going to be paying some tax. Like a friend said, just because it's not on your receipt doesn't mean you didn't pay it. You know, it's going to be added by the retailers. So there's got to be some kind of revenue generated because they have to find a rate to fund the program Um that is going to need to be in place to administer all of the medical marijuana. So, um, you know, it just depends on the other aspects of, you know, how many licenses are going to be given out, you know, along with the conditions um, that will make a patient eligible. Um, That's why there's a lot of uncertainty and why, you know, you may still see, you know, some changes happen in those bills. Um, So, you know, home grow and patient collectives, things like that, and like what other states have done, that would help. But, you know, like we said, it's just not going to happen right now. And you don't really hear anything being talked about, about collectives, anything like that. A lot of people don't understand how they work. And to be honest, I don't know a lot about that myself because it's just not really an option for us right now. Um, The, you know, the condition, um, that you know, uh, Representative Nemus was wanting to let, let the doctor decide option, but you know they're wanting to add conditions. And my friend says that that could make the difference between 10,000 eligible patients and a million patients. So you know that's going to affect your revenue generation also, not your tax rate. Um, so Stivers had mentioned on KET, you know, cancer-related nausea and multiple sclerosis. Well. Those are only two, you know, so, you know, it just, yeah, it it gets, you know, it gets kind of sticky. They want to, some of the ones who are not so for it, they want to really put a lot of terms on it and play it really super safe. And, you know, so I don't know, you know, Kentucky could really use the revenue, the job creation, and um but the poor people don't have the money to so i feel like you know they don't really a lot of the gop does not care quite simply you know and the democrats are in the minority you know the republicans have a super majority so you know one shining grace is at least we did get rid of matt bevan <laughs> flip flop back, you know, flip flop back and forth with cannabis. Some he would say some of the most ridiculous things about cannabis. Then he would say, "Okay, if it passes, I will sign it." You know, so he was just so inconsistent. And you know, Bashir will sign that if it passes. Um, so you know, that's 
that's one positive step. So, you know, I'm hopeful, but I'm still, I'm, you know, we don't have it in the bag. It's not going to, it's not going to be an easy thing, I don't think. So, um, you know, it's just, there's so much to consider, so much. And, um, but, you know, all the advocates, I think, have done a stellar job and, and, you know, the, the representatives and senators that are on board and and for it, they've done a stellar job, you know. And there's, you know, it's, it's gaining traction in the GOP. I think that, you know, when they see public opinion shoot up to the numbers, it is, you know, it was in the 80s, now it's at 90. How can they continue to ignore that, you know? That's an overwhelming number of people. I mean, how many issues do you hear that have, like, 90% support on and that's what we're at now in Kentucky. So I think that they they have to start opening their eyes thinking, okay, if we do not do the will of the people, we could get voted out. You know, like like we've talked about, you know, I think some um, some counties, some areas, a Democrat could not win. It's just not going to happen. Um, and uh, But, you know, if you had a pro-cannabis Republican get in the race, and primary some of these anti-cannabis people, they could risk losing their seat, I think. So I don't know what the chances are of that. But, you know, I'm hoping that they start to see the writing on the wall as it affects them personally with their job, thinking if we don't follow the will of the people, we cannot get elected again. So that might be a good wake-up call at this point, you know. So do you I'm think like so. so do you do you think like methods like um sort of like like hardball methods like we talked about like like perhaps putting that billboard of the um the sort of the the recent study that was saying that over 90% of of people want um cannabis medical cannabis legal and up to 59% um want it legal for for sort of medical purposes. So do you think like bringing up that like study and like maybe renting out some billboards and in, in these sort of recalcitrant um, uh, and reluctant um, lawmakers putting it in their district? Oh, 90 percent of people in, in your 90 percent of people in Kentucky want medical to be legal. And then they are having to drive by that every single day. So do you think like if it like let's say let's say that it doesn't it, it it gets like it gets voted on and then it doesn't have enough votes to get to Bashir do you think something like that will have to be tried after that or like what 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 other yeah, yeah. I, I think that I think that's a good strategy that's hard to ignore you know it puts it out there right there in your face um because a lot of people don't keep up with state politics, I think. And, you know, your local newspapers sometimes, some of them do a decent job on, you know, covering this issue, but a lot of them don't. So there are a lot of people who, you know, unless it affects you personally, it's not really an issue they think about. But I think when you show that kind of number, hey, 90% of the state wants medical marijuana. And if you had people not following, you know, a 90 percent, that's, you know, pretty much a mandate right there. It's like I often say on my, 
Yeah, it's like I often say on my podcast, like, um, when when you have a vast majority, like when you have at least two thirds of the, the population that wants something, at that point, the people are not asking you to do it. You're being told to do it, and right, exactly, I, yeah. exactly. You know, the people have been telling them, "Hey, you know, let's do this." You know, and you know, the numbers in my mind, it's been. It's been large in the past, so and it just keeps growing. But you know, like say, I don't see anything about it in my local paper. Um, but you know, I'm coming from a very small town, a very small weekly paper. Um, you just don't, you just don't see that. So, you know, some people who, you know, I didn't get contacted for that telephone poll. It was a survey um, done by Landline, I believe. So. I don't know the sample of people, you know, they contacted, um, you know, it, it's a trustworthy source um, and the numbers seem, you know, to stay pretty consistent with, you know, what I've heard in the past, it's growing, you know, it was, it was getting in the eighties, I believe, you know, the last I heard. So I think if you put that at those, those, that type of billboard in people's faces, that they're going to see that, you know, day after day and you get that high number of traffic and, and those elected officials have to see, yeah, okay, we're holding this up. You're you're being held accountable, and if you ha- if you could get the you know the revenue raised, um, and I think you could because um, the medical marijuana people have done billboards to support House Bill 136. Um, they've taken out a few billboards across the state. Um, you know, um, and um, they've had, they did have yard signs printed up last time. I think they decided against doing that again this time because, um, you know, people would steal the signs and things like that. So it wasn't the most effective strategy. But, you know, I've seen signs for other causes in places like Louisville, you know, about public schools and other issues, Bernheim Forest, saving Bernheim Forest. So, you know, if you got, there's, the medical cannabis cause does have a lot of very passionate people and, you know, fundraise that and, and get those billboards up if it does not pass this time and, and get that out there in the face of the people where they're going to see it, you know. So, um, because, you know, a lot of people don't keep up with the major papers like the Career Journal and the Lexington Herald Leaders, so, and they don't really keep up with, you know, some a lot of the reporters you know, we'll talk about these issues online, but a lot of people just don't pay attention. But with a billboard, that's in your face. You're going to have to see that. And, you know, then that would generate conversation also. So I think that they're going to have to play hardball if it doesn't pass this time because, you know, last time with 53 co-sponsors in the House, bipartisan, you know, barely got out of committee, didn't get to the House floor for a vote. That's just ridiculous. They did not do the will of the people. And, you know, they made the concessions last time. So, you know, if it can't be done this time, I think they're going to have to resort to something like that because people are fed up. People are fed up, you know. So it's way past time. When you have, what, 33 other states having a medical program and, you know, you've got other conservative states doing this. So, you know, and when you see the numbers for the revenue generated and you, the studies are out there and then you look at these states and you see, well, 
they're not having some crime spike or their teens are not getting hooked on marijuana and, you know, the few unfounded fears that people have or or those things they will use as an excuse, you know, I think all that can be debunked pretty quickly, you know. Other states have done this, and it's past time for Kentucky to catch up. So, yeah. Okay, so um, to sort of piggyback off that sort of question, we were we were talking earlier about you know the various groups and the various advocacy groups that have been pushing for cannabis. What what who are the major players, both you know in terms of politicians? that have been favorable towards cannabis as well as, you know, organizations such as like KY Normal or, you know, that, um, or the other organization you brought up as well too. Um, what, so like what, what organizations can people outside of Kentucky support? Okay. For organizations, I would suggest Kentuckians for medical marijuana. You can find them on Twitter and Facebook. Um, that's the main medical cause, um, and they're the ones with the logo that show the cannabis leaf in the wheelchair spoke. Um, you can they're they're very active on Facebook. They're not so active on Twitter, um, and you will see them in the news. Um, various you know newspapers and TV outlets have covered them in the news, um, and you know there is Kentucky Normal. Um, if you're interested also in adult usage, there's a new group that has popped up, I think, just last year called My Right to Decide, and they are on Facebook, um, so you can find them there. Those are the three that I would suggest, and um, if, you know, if you're, if you're out of state looking for groups to support, you know, all those groups could use some support, and, you know, if you're in Kentucky, you know, look at those groups and see if there are any local chapters or local groups of people involved. Um, I know in Hardin County, there's, you know, there's um, some active people and they have stood outside on public square and held up signs and, you know, honk if you support cannabis. And they've, they've really worked hard to raise awareness. Um, you know, they've kind of got a rep. They say they're kind of conservative, but they are, trust me, they are not even conservative compared to some of these little counties like I live in. So we see them as more, you know, there's a mall there, there's Target there. So, but, you know, so, and, you know, and there seems to be more and more people trying to work together and, and they do go around to like the medical marijuana people. They, um, they go to the towns, different fall festivals things like that and we'll set up booths to educate people and um, you know some towns will not let them set up but my town did thankfully they do try to target where you've got an anti-cannabis elected in your area so that you know they can rally people to make those calls to Frankfurt you know voice your support contact your elected officials and let them know you support it and you know if you feel comfortable doing so you know share your story too i think that puts a human perspective on it um you know people who have not used it or if you've not faced serious illness um you just don't know a lot of times and um you know it's been a hurdle in overcoming that image of oh marijuana's you know just stoners or hippies or 
you know, things like that. And the people involved in the medical cause are nothing like that whatsoever. You know, you've got professional people, you've got parents, you've got, you know, people of both parties, you know, it's not just Democrats. It's, you know, a lot of Republicans too, you know, third party people. Um, The public is really united. So those are ways that you can get involved if you want to get involved. But, you know, definitely everybody needs to contact Frankfurt. And I can um, give you that number if you like um, for people who may be listening. Um, That'll be great. Okay. The Kentucky LRC message line. And that number is 1-800-372-7181. Those people are phenomenally nice. They will ask your name. And if you're already in the system, they'll ask your town that pulls up your address. If not, just give them your address. And they ask you, who would you like to leave a message for? And just you can tell them your representative's name and say, you know, I support HB 136 um, for medical marijuana for patients. That simple. And then, you know, for SB 107, the Senate bill, leave a message for your senator. I support SB 107 for medical marijuana. And if you want to add comments, you can. Um, And, you know, you can also find their email addresses. um, If you go online, let me see. let me pull up that website here. Um, I had that screenshot. Um, basically, if you, um, let's see here. It's appsapps.legislature.ky.gov. And that will take you to, and you can find your representatives. You can see the bills. You can see the order of the day. Um, find out, you know, keep track of the bill, like, okay, it's in committee now, when will it be heard, things like that. And and social media, you know, these groups, they do a good job, too, of keeping people in the loop very, uh, you know, very well. Um, and in terms of some of the people um, that have been helpful on, like, a Democratic Party, um, Al Gentry is one man who is a representative and he has fought for disability rights. So I I really appreciate Al. Um, All of our African-American legislature um, elected officials in the state have been very good at being on board with this. Um, Charles Booker is one. He's also got a decrim bill and he is seeking the Democratic nomination to be our person who will run against Mitch McConnell. So shout out to him too. He's a phenomenal man and a, there's, you know, so many people who've worked hard. You know, I mentioned Jason Nemus before. He's worked really hard on this, too. So, you know, it's picking up steam. And, um, uh, you know, there's a lot of good people working really hard. It would be hard to name them all off. But, you know, those are some that off the top of my head. Um, and, you know, John Sims, Republican, he's the co-sponsor, too. And he was last time. Um we lost one of the co-sponsors, a Republican woman from Northern Kentucky. She decided to move, I believe, so she did not seek re-election. But, you know, pretty much the same people who were there last time. And um, so, you know, I think the number of co-sponsors this time is in the 40s, and there may pick up some more. There's still time. You know, there's just a lot of uncertainty. But a lot of people working really hard, really hard on that. And Senator Jimmy Higdon, he's been good. 
um, in the Senate. Uh, Morgan McGarvey's been good in the Senate. Perry Clark has been good in the Senate. He has been an advocate for cannabis use, you know, for years. Um, and in the House, um, Representative Cluster Howard has a recreational bill. Um, you know, recreational has no chance of passing in Kentucky right now, none. But, you know, those are the people who have helped along the way, um, some of them in particular. So definitely. Um, so it's amazing that there's a number of groups that are trying to move the ball forward in, in Kentucky and try to advance le- the, the cause of legalization in Kentucky. But we also have to like realize or we also have to like keep our eye on sort of sort of voting out the opponents of, of this. Um, could you sort of like like who are the, who are the major sort of opponents to to ca- to cannabis legalization or medical cannabis legalization or decriminalization and to sort of piggyback off that um which one of them this year um in in 2020 are up for re-election or have opponents that um are running against them that we could sort of boost what? Right. Um, Well, I know that my senator has been anti in the past, David Gibbons, and he's not faced any opposition. um, So he's not up for re-election soon. I think it might be next year. Um, And I'm pretty sure that Damon Thayer is still against. Um, He has blocked a lot of people on Twitter. Um, (laughs) So, yeah, he's very touchy about that. And he does have a Democratic opponent. I can't recall his name right offhand, but from what I recall, you know, he's talking about working class issues, um, very common sense guy. And um, so, you know, hopefully, you know, he can make a difference. Um, some of the others, um, I can't recall right off the bat. I kept up with it better last term, you know, in the past. And like I say, I'm kind of shifting my focus out of politics and toward getting back in school, um, doing, you know, furthering my studies with writing. So I'm afraid that once I'm drawing a blank on that, I don't want to shout somebody out. And then it turns out that maybe their perception has changed. Um, so, you know, roughly, roughly you've got the Senate leadership, you know, and my representative Reed, he has been opposed in the past. Um, I know there's a representative Kim Moser, She's been opposed, um, and she ha- she blocked me on my old Twitter for standing up for veterans' access to cannabis and pointing out that the Nurses Association is for this, and she is a nurse. So she's not well-liked either, I don't think. She's not just blocked me, but... Um, I've even so, heard of her, know. like, up here, and, like, like I've... Like, oh, I my think, gosh. Like, um, like, I've seen, like, maybe, like... like like I think I've seen like clips of like people testifying or clips of her saying like anti cannabis stuff. Like I the the name right. rings a bell. Right. You know, and some of these people have connections within the hemp industry and the hemp industry is not wanting this to pass. So that doesn't make sense to me because why not I mean why can't they just switch their crops over to medical marijuana? You know, I don't know a lot about hemp, but um, you know, so that's really unfortunate. You've got, you know, you've got the alcohol industry is vocal in this state. And, um, you know, one in the past is like, oh, we'll just have a shot or two of bourbon. That'll relax you. Just use that instead of marijuana. And it's like, okay, come on. That's not effective for pain relief. 
you know, sick people cannot take alcohol and prescription medications. That's not an option. That's not safe, you know. Right. And like a drink, like a drink or two is going to help your medical problems. You know, how is that going to help MS? How is that going to help you with seizures? You know, that could even be contraindicated. So, you know, and a lot of these who are anti, their lines are bogus. And people see through that. They know it's bogus. Um so, you know, and like the ones who are anti in the House previously, they have tried to pass a resolution, you know, to study medical marijuana. And they even fooled some people who keep up with politics. Um, you know, someone had put together a list of bills to call and support and resolutions to call and support and urge people to support that last time. I said, no, no, that's a decoy. They are saying we need a resolution to have more studies before we can pass it. They are not trying. They're not working toward the cause. It's a decoy to throw people off and make it look like, oh, we care. We're doing something. No, you're not. No, you're not. You're just, you know, that's a yeah. decoy. So, so, um, so in, in terms of like, um, so, so let's let's sort of get back to sort of like the legislative like 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 bills that have been sort of proposed. Um, we, I know we mentioned earlier in the interview about SB 107 and HB 136, but I've also read into the other ones um, that um, I mean. I mean, now that Illinois has sort of legalized like they're going this whole decrim in this whole adult use whether they want to look into it or whether they feel that they're ready or not is going to be staring them in the face because people in western kentucky can just drive to illinois to get their medicine and the thing is they can't pull over every single car that's going to illinois and it's going to use a lot of the police's resources where they could be cracking down on on real crimes like like rapes like murders like you know um right. heinous things like that um so i've read into a number of these sort of bills um i'd like i'd like um hb 148 um that looks sort that looks very good i see a lot of sort of provisions that yeah. would allow for collectives craft cannabis you know you know farmers to sort right. of lease their land even even they're not cannabis users themselves so people that could sort of that, that can grow so they can like lease their land out i guess in a, in a sense right and um i see a number of bills i think um i saw hb 236 which will codify hemp laws into it, that would codify and strengthen the hemp industry, which is already pretty huge in Kentucky. And I've also looked into um, HB 221, which is to decriminalize. And it sort of remains right. to be seen, like you've said, that the House is more um, is more lenient, but the Senate is where where there's there's going to be barriers. So it remains to be seen as to what how how far hb 221 will advance and 102 is hb 102 which i really feel like let's say hb 136 passes um 102 i feel is companion legislation that is needed because hb 136 allows discrimination allows employers to discriminate and um hb 102 would 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 prevent that from happening so um which out of the ones that we talked 
So which out of the ones that we talked about besides the besides HP 136 and uh, do do you think has a a chance, a realistic chance? Well, that one that you just mentioned, HB 102, um, relating to employment-related drug screens, that's sponsored by Representative Sims, who's, you know, one of the co-sponsors on the medical marijuana bill. So, you know, that one that one could have a chance. Um, it's I don't know about HB 221, about the possession, the decriminalization. You know, that's Representative Booker, and he's in the minority as a Democrat, and this is just his, um, you know, he's a... A second term, I believe. So he's pretty new. So he may not be able to get that heard because, you know, even some of the more common sense issues, like not related to, you know, medical marijuana, but just other issues, bills that Democrats have proposed in the in the past, you think, oh, this is an excellent bill. They cannot even get heard a lot of times in committee. They get they get put in a committee where they're going to go nowhere. So they can't get to the floor, you know, to really, they can't really be heard. Um, and it doesn't seem to matter if the public calls about it or not. I mean, it does matter, you know, definitely call about these bills. But public opinion does not seem to sway because the Republicans control the House and the Senate. And, you know, I think last session, Charles Booker, he was um, a co-sponsor on a bill about insulin and that passed, but you know, it was, he had a Republican co-sponsor. So a lot of these bills, I feel like they may not even get heard. You know, um, Senate bill 105 is about the adult use with Senator Perry Clark. That won't get heard. Um, HB 148 that you talked about was the adult use in the house and the, the, the really good bill by representative cluster Howard that's probably not going to get hurt either. It's got no chance. Um, so, you know, I'm looking down at these, you know, HB 236 relating to hemp and declaring an emergency um, that's sponsored by Coke. I'm not sure about that one, to be honest. Um, can you got, sort of um, like, um, can you pr- provide a bit more clarification on, on 236 if, if you're, if you're at liberty to do so? Because um, is there like, yeah, is, because um i've i've heard from like various like i've read articles about this that like in kentucky the smokable hemp is sort of is banned but i remember having a conversation with jason saying that like it's not really enforced like you could smoke hemp like no one's gonna like knock at your door but it's like but it is in the law that smokable hemp is illegal are there is there is is that in is is there is there clauses in 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 hb 236 to pertain to that or or, or do you are you not sure um i'm not sure on that i'm looking that up right now and the sponsors are coke beckler hale hart heath massey Pratt, Prunty, and Shelton, which, if I'm not mistaken, those are all Republicans. So, it um, what this has is wanting to amend KRS to allow the Department of Agriculture to establish hemp testing procedures and then create a new section to set forth requirements for the transportation of hemp or hemp products. And then, you know, then just some, um, and it's marked as emergency. Um, so, what I'm looking at the calendar, um, it's got a lot of movement. It's had a lot of action. Um, it's been 
On the 4th, it was enrolled, signed by the president, president of the Senate, enrolled, signed by the Speaker of the House, and delivered to the governor. On the 3rd, it was the House concurred in the Senate 4 amendment. It passed 85 to 4. Um, you know, unfortunately, I don't, I don't really keep up with hemp. I don't really know a lot about hemp. So, you know, Jason is pretty much who I look to on those issues. And he doesn't keep up with hemp as much as he does the medical marijuana and, and the full legalization cause either. But that's, you know, that's the movement on that bill. So it has, it has passed and delivered to the governor. Okay, so I have like two more sort of like major questions before we kind of wrap up. Um, so, okay, so to sort of piggyback off what we were talking about with like Illinois' um, legalization and sort of the impact of that, like um, what what impact do you think that, Ill- that legalization in Illinois, if any, is having on Kentucky? And do you think that there will be pressure there will be pressure from, I mean, to pressure in Kentucky to at least to criminalize because, I mean, eventually the cost of doing business is going to catch up to the the police departments, to, you know, the state officials, um, state departments. Like, there's going to, like, they can't, again, they can't, they don't have the manpower physically to pull over every single car from Western right. Kentucky exactly. to Illinois. And we've seen like, even in like, like in Oregon, for example, like the one, like the, there was like a border town in Oregon near Idaho that, that pleaded with Oregon to not put any dispensaries near that area. But then the, but then you know that ban was lifted, and and people from Idaho were coming into Oregon to get to get adult use like crazy, and you know that town was making so much money. I remember reading that article a couple months back. Um, so what? So do you think decrim is in, in in the future in the next few years because of Illinois, or what? What are your thoughts? I I, I think you're right. Um, I think from what I've heard, I think that you know officially, like say you know the police are against smokable marijuana so but from what i've heard law enforcement has relaxed they realize that okay people with a small amount of you know possession of marijuana they are not they are not a problem you know for personal use um so you know and if you're not committing another crime if you're not being pulled over for some other reason what i've always heard is you don't really have that much to worry about if you've got a small amount of personal possession. You know, I don't know the exact quantity because I just don't do that. I don't take that chance. I only use it in my home. So, um, but, um, you know, so I think the attitudes like that, it is relaxing because they realize it, like you say, it's a waste of money. They cannot possibly pull over everybody going to Illinois. You know, I've heard of some people going um you know i know so many people who are struggling financially in this state so they just can't afford to go to illinois you know i don't know a lot of people in western kentucky so um you know i don't really know of a lot who have been personally um so but i think they're going to have to start looking at that you know and they see that we need these resources like you know, I was kind of shocked. I had kind of stopped paying attention to 
what local news in terms of arrest records and things like that. But, you know, seeing people out in my town last fall at the medical marijuana booth, they were saying, yeah, meth is still a problem. Heroin's a problem. And, you know, talking some more with some local people saying, yeah, you know, I just heard on the local news the other day, you know, so many indictments handed down and they're mainly for meth. And that's where the crime is coming in, you know. And um, so I think law enforcement realizes that. So, you know, and and that's what that's what the public worries about, you know, crime being committed by people on meth are unpredictable. You know, that's that's a very serious thing. I know there was a human trafficking case by some people who were on meth that was in my county, you know, three, three people got arrested for human trafficking and, you know, come on, nobody involved in just a little personal use of marijuana is interested in doing crimes like human trafficking. They're not going out and committing crimes. They're not bothering other people, you know? So I think it's the, the attitude is shifting informally and, um, once they start seeing, yes, people are going to other states and getting this, um, I don't know how much that's going to happen because, you know, the price is so expensive and most people who want it, you know, they're going to take their chances and just get it locally. You know, I've known some people who have grown or they've tried to grow. Um, so, you know, like I said, I know a lot of people in poverty, a lot of people struggling. So, I don't know people with the means to, you know, make a trip to Illinois personally. So, um, but, you know, they just, they can't keep putting resources toward that. And I think if some groups, like we talked about on the other issue, if some groups want to press that and say, look, this is fiscally irresponsible to go after marijuana possession. It makes no sense when you need to go after hard drugs like meth heroin and the crimes that come from that, you know, and the neglect of children that occurs with when you have people on meth, things like that, that you don't see at all with marijuana. So if people started getting vocal about that, I can see that angle being effective for decrim. You know, it probably is not going to happen this time, but down the road, once we can get our, you know, restricted medical pass, and then I can see that as a chance to become a possibility to pass later on. Definitely. Um, so my, I guess my last question, um, and it, it ties back to sort of how we began the sort of interview and we began our discussion. Um, so like we talked about like sort of like off, off, off um, the podcast um, about sort of like the rural urban divide in, 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 in Kentucky. Um, and and how 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 do you feel that that factors into sort of cannabis prohibition and how do you think what do you think they're sort of related and um what can be done to make cannabis be seen seen as more of a unifying issue rather than a left right or a urban rural issue and what can like my listeners in like because we know i i know that um places like south dakota are putting it on are on putting medical on the ballot i know mississippi they're going to have it on the ballot and i know that idaho is going to have it on the ballot so 
what are what are what are some ways to sort of bridge that sort of divide and to sort of make this be seen as hey this is this is getting people medicine this or even in states even in those rural states that i mentioned i think south dakota has an adult use one on that's going to be in the same 2020 ballot like what could be done to sort of just allay concerns and just make this seen as just a bipartisan unifying thing um, I think, um, like, if you look on Facebook and look up the Kentuckians for Medical Marijuana Facebook page, they're very active on there. And, you know, and a lot of the older people in conservative places, they do use Facebook to keep up with friends and family. So, you know, you can find that information there. Like I said, they do, they keep people updated. Uh, they do a very good job of, you know, simplifying the legislative process, telling people how to call. Um, posting news stories and, um, you know, if you, um, you know, there's been, you know, local stations and local papers, you know, do some more of those stories. And I would suggest, um, you know, just, just kind of, you know, Google that, see what's out there, you know, search medical marijuana in Kentucky. Um, you can find some of the news stories that have been done. Um, I think, They've had some of the past testimony on YouTube in the past. Um, so, you know, if you look online, you can find that. Um, so it's out there. Um, I would say, you know, it would be the easiest for people who, like urban people, I would say, you know, suggest Facebook, you know, because that seems to be pretty popular still. And um, I think, you know, the support is out there. The rural people are just... You know, in conservative areas, they're afraid to talk about it a lot of times. But the more you talk about it, the more you share. You know, when when I started reading, um, you know, a friend of mine went on the Lexington area news, a veteran, and told his story about how he was able to decrease his, you know, really heavy pill use through the VA with use of cannabis. And so, you know, that normalizes it. You see an actual person who has benefited and you're like, you know, that's a real human being. They're not a stoner. They're not a hippie. That's a sick person. So those stories are out there. You know, I know that, um, you know, my friend Kristen with a daughter with Dravet, Shelby, they've spoken to the media. Um, there's been several stories done about them. Um, Robert Haley Conway, who ran for commissioner of agriculture, he had a friend going through breast cancer who did an ad for him I think oh, even yeah. um, Balvin, um, his, didn't his, like, nephew die of cancer? And didn't that sort of tip the scales from him being so, like, oh, it's evil to something maybe like I'll sign that. it? Yeah, something like that. It seems it's very unfortunate that many of these anti-people have to have a wake-up moment of where it something affects somebody very close to them before they see the light. Yeah. And, it's, you know, unfortunately, that's what it takes for a lot of them, but... So many people have shared their stories, you know, so I think more people are more people like myself are getting more comfortable talking about it. This time last year, I would not have even thought about going on a podcast about cannabis. You know, I would thought, no way. Are you kidding? I'm not talking about that on a podcast. So, you know, just in the past few months, I've gotten more comfortable sharing the details of my story. So I think that, you know, the more people who share their story, you get more comfortable knowing it's just regular people out there, sick people, many of us educated. You know, I was a professional before I had to quit work um, due to my physical health conditions. So, 
you know, and now with a little bit of use of cannabis, I'm regaining my health, thinking about going back to school, probably going to try to find some part-time employment, you know, with the end goal of becoming employed again as teaching writing. That's my goal. So um, I think the more you hear just about regular people who can make phenomenal progress with cannabis, who have had just so-so luck or minimal luck with pharmaceuticals, the more you hear those stories, the more those stories are shared, you know, and share those stories on Facebook, share those among people you know, you know, share those posts from Kentuckians for Medical Marijuana and the individual advocates who are, you know, working across the state. Um, you know, you can find them on there. And um, so share those, read those. You know, that's what I would encourage people to do. And just get that out there because the more people who open up and talk about it, you know, the public support is there. You're not really going to face much blowback, if any at all. I've really not faced any blowback. You know, I've been cautious, but then I started to talk about it more. I'm still kind of cautious. I still worry about it some because it is illegal. But, you know, I've not known anybody who uses it for medical purposes get in trouble in a long time so you know and um i've heard of you know a couple people growing it they were growing it for medicinal purposes and they got busted but they just they paid a fine they were in and out of the court system they paid it off it was done you know so that's kind of the worst case scenario i've heard you know if you're growing it you can get caught but one thing is um some lawyers in kentucky last year said to say if you have it in your possession and you do get pulled over, say it is hemp because by law they have to test it. It is cost prohibitive and they will not test it. So unless you're committing another crime, you're getting pulled over for something else, you really don't have to worry so much. You know, I've known people who say I smoke in my home. My neighbors know nobody has a problem with it. You know, you just have to use your judgment. But I think, you know, the public perception is becoming better and people are, people are getting educated, you know, more people do need to, you know, if there were some more user-friendly versions of some of these studies, I think that might help too, but just, you know, educated people can say, you know, look, these studies have been in major medical journals, you know, university studies, reputable sources, it's not like it's coming from some you know, just cannabis website online. So whenever I share studies with people, I make sure, okay, I'm getting this from a university website. I'm getting this from JAMA. I'm getting this from a reputable source. I don't just share, you know, cannabis websites with people to try to educate them, you know, unless they're already, you know, well-versed in the topic. And I always make sure to, what I'm sharing is accurate. And if I'm not sure on something, I always clarify, I don't know, you know, you might want to look into this further. So I think, you know, just sharing the information and, and doing that, you know, that's how we have to do that. Just, you know, get it out there and writing letters to your editor. If you feel comfortable doing that, um, you know, that's another option to write to your local newspaper um, and, you know, maybe contact some reporters to, if you want to share your story, um, right now in my county, I would not feel comfortable doing that right now because it's still very, very conservative. 
very strong religious element. So, you know, I'm making my progress, but, you know, there are people in other areas who might feel totally fine or they might, you know, I wouldn't mind sitting down with somebody, say, from the Career Journal, somebody like that, but locally I'm still a little more cautious, you know. I, you know, I, I don't mind at all talking with you, but I'm still a little cautious on local. You know, I wouldn't, I would not get on my Facebook and tell local people everything about my story. So, yeah, yeah, I'm pretty you know. cautious too, even in the legal state. Like I'm, like I, 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 I try my best to sort of bifurcate my sort of cannabis identity with my professional one because I still know employers are are still against it and like we said at the at the top of the podcast that you know like again the vast majority of u.s states are um at will employment so again they don't they'll just be like oh you weren't a cultural fit or something like that or you didn't meet the demands of the job in some cockamamie way they'll just they'll just pull that excuse out of their 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 um nose or whatever um so is there is there anything else you want to sort of like plug um i'll let you have the last word oh well thank you um well i i have to plug my presidential choice um andrew yang and he is great i think on marijuana issues for legalizing marijuana and his solutions i feel like are common sense which would benefit rural people and like we've talked about personally um you know, I think the Democrat, the National Democratic Party ignores a lot of rural voters, and that's a mistake. You can't do that. You're going to lose. So, you know, I like him a lot. He's my top choice, and, and I still like the progressive Democrats, too. But, <clears throat> you know, I feel like just kind of in general, since it is, you know, marijuana legalization, you can't talk about it without talking about it in context of politics, um, you know, that would be, I guess, my last point is that Google Andrew Yang. He is for legalizing cannabis, and he's got a lot of great common sense policies. And, you know, I keep up with the progressive candidates, too. So I'm hoping that, you know, pro-cannabis people nationally can make an impact. You know, when you have states like Kentucky that are struggling behind, you can't – it's so hard to get it done in the state. I'm hoping – you know, a change in leadership nationally and um, get some more progressive candidates to, you know, in the Senate, in the House, um, get some more going on in the state governments that, you know, maybe that would make an impact um, in terms of marijuana legalization, you know, full legalization and decriminalization. So I guess that would be my last issue, unless there's anything else um you had to ask or had to add um so like where could people find you on social media if you're willing to divulge that um well i'm not sure um i want to say right now i've started a new twitter i'm trying to stay away from politics because it got too toxic of an environment for me um i do have a twitter where i do share some of my writing um and i i do talk about andrew yang some but um I've thought about, um, you know, making a blog at some point. I don't know. I've got, I've got too many more. I've got so many ideas and just not enough time to implement them all. 
Um, but um, people will find me interacting with you on Twitter. Um, I will say that I'm not that hard to find. Um, so, you know, I left my old political project. I've not quite wrapped it up. I'm still trying to follow some people from that account. It's just been time consuming. So, yeah, I just, I would still remain active and still keep up with, you know, I still support all these candidates in Kentucky who are really doing a good job. The Democratic Party has a lot of good candidates who are pro-medical marijuana and many of them, you know, pro-legalization too. You don't really hear as many talk about that because it, it just has no chance right now. But um, so I still remain interested in those causes. I'm just not committing as much time to them. So, and yeah, trying to move on with my writing goals and, and moving to the city and moving to Louisville will be a, a better environment. And they have very relaxed attitudes toward cannabis. So that's another thing to look forward to, you know, don't have to, you know, I could open up and share my story with a lot of people a lot more easily, I think, in that kind of environment. So. Definitely. So again, this is, it's been a pleasure having you on, on this podcast. Um, don't, don't be a stranger. Um, thank I, you so much. It's been great talking with you. Yeah. Thank you for taking the time out of your day to, to talk and, um, be generous with your time. I really, really appreciate it. And I'm sure Likewise, that, yeah. yeah, and I'm sure that my audience, um, you know, especially in States like Mississippi, I have, I, I have, I have audience all over the world. So, um, I'm sure, awesome. yeah, yeah. So I'm sure people from all over the world can benefit from this. And, um, as always, like I like to sign off with, with my show, um, stay Medicaid, my friends, um, peace out, um, and, and ciao. And, and thank you very much for coming. Thank you so much. I've really enjoyed this a lot. And, and I want to become a patron of your show also. I'm financially strapped, but I do want to support you. So I'm going to be signing up for that. And I would encourage other people to do so as well, because I feel like you're doing a very valuable thing and getting good information out there to people. So thank you as well. Thank you so much. Not a problem. Um, so ha have a good one and, um, and talk to you soon. Okay, I'll talk to you soon. Have a great day. You too. Bye-bye. Howdy, y'all. Dan Scotland here joining you from Legal Grass, Massachusetts, the heartland of America. So for today's episode, we're going to be talking about how the enemy of your enemy is still your enemy a lot of the time. Um, we appreciate support from all sides of the aisle. Um, we need a variety of different voices and a variety of different perspectives to get legalization over the finish line in a variety of different states, including Arizona that's going to be voting on it. For all adults, New Jersey that's going to be voting on it for all adults, South Dakota that's going to be voting on it for all adults, and Montana that's going to be voting for it for all adults over the age of 21. Um, again, I mean, this, this, this former prosecutor um, supports legalizing in Arizona, but we're going to go into why um, his, his support is kind of a red herring. Um, again, this is the I'm Canvas Sativa podcast. I'm your host, Dan Scotland, joining you from Legal Grass, Massachusetts, the heartland of America. 
I can be found anywhere you find podcasts such as iTunes, Google Play Store, Castbox, Podcast Addict, Radio Public, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio, other platforms like it. You can find me on Instagram at I am Cannabis Sativa and on Twitter at IC Sativa Pod. And if you like what we are doing and you want to support us financially, there are many ways you can do so, but one key way of doing that is becoming a patreon and for just one dollar a month you'll get ad free strain reviews you'll get early releases and for five and dollars and above you'll get a private feed of all our back catalog episodes ad free as intended so far we've uploaded over 400 um archive episodes that you can listen to without the ads and um again so it's five dollars a month for a ever-expanding back catalog of previous episodes and you can do this by going to bit.ly slash 2njmshn without further ado let's get to it all right okay so this is from the daily independent 207, A Sensible, Workable Approach to Marijuana Legalization by Tim La Sota. Proposition 207, the Smart and Safe Arizona Act, is a responsible marijuana legalization plan that makes sense to this Arizona conservative. As marijuana legalization becomes more and more inevitable, we have an opportunity to get legalization right. Proposition 207 legalizes marijuana under careful safeguards. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. The madness and the shenanigans are about to start. You can just see it. Um, you're going to see me dig into this guy a lot in this article because there's a lot to unpack. Um, you know, when I was looking at this last night, like I was like, oh, man, I got to cover this because this guy... Although he's saying he supports it, again, you're gonna see you're gonna see why my critiques are what they are. And at the same time, will increase tax revenue and generate good paying jobs. It also provides for stronger stronger penalties for those who use marijuana and drive impaired. Again, you're not creating a bunch of new marijuana users by making it legal. You know, you're just what what ends up happening is that people that were getting from their gal or guy just end up buying from the state legal dispensaries and um and people go from the from the dealer aka the black market to the legal market and um people that were buying medically um on the on the black market just buy medically over the counter through adult use and again, you're not creating a bunch of new cannabis consumers that are suddenly driving high and, and, and creating Sodom and Gomorrah or whatever. That's not that's not what hap- that's not what ends up happening like this smug conservative seems to think. But again, let's let's <laughs> let's continue. The measure also ensures that marijuana is not marketed to children, that edibles are not made to resemble children's candy. Yet we again we have alcohol we have alka pops like Mike's Hard Lemonade. We have um, Angry Orchard um, cider. We I've I've gone to my local um, my local my local package store like we call them in Massachusetts, aka liquor stores, 
And one of those places were selling uh, liquor ice cream. Like, literally, it was infused with liquor. Like, um, they just chucked my ID and then sold it. I mean, how that's that's as a, that's appealing to children like heck, okay? Um, and then you have all these, you have nips as well, too. I mean, again, the Alka Pops, the Smirnoff Ices, like, we should get rid of that first before we start wringing our hands over edibles. The measure also ensures that marijuana is not marketed to children, that edibles are not made to resemble children's candy, and that levels of THC in edibles are limited to prevent someone from ingesting too much. Uh, yet, again, I mean, you can get, like, like, like hard liquor, like gin, whiskey, whatever, that are, they're, that are really, really high, excuse me, they're really, really high in alcohol content, and no one bat bats an eye. You know, we just trust the adults to make that decision and not consume half of it and kill themselves. Excuse me. Just give me a sec. There and look at that. Look at this. Look at this former prosecutor cheering that cops can still arrest people for cannabis. Look at look at that. He's saying, "Oh my God, we have to prevent public consumption at all costs." Again, this is an idea that sounds good on the surface. Again, we don't want people drinking and smoking tobacco or whatever or, or legal cannabis willy nilly. No one wants that. But then you don't have a pathway, or you don't have a clear express lane towards making lounges so people will be able to use without using it in public you don't this person is not advocating that that the state open lounges on day one to prevent that but um but he's 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 foaming at the mouth gleeing over prohibition of public use Yet the same person would would likely cheer about how, um, you know, it's not a, a employer's responsibility to provide contraceptives or whatever. That's extracurricular. Yet he would be just fine with with the with 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 the government insurance paying for Viagra for dudes. Like this is this is the level of hypocrisy that this guy probably has. You know. Um, but yeah, I mean, or he's probably one of those people that says, um, if you like, if you know, that no one should make that we shouldn't have, we shouldn't, that states shouldn't be forced to raise minimum wages or the federal government shouldn't raise the minimum wage. Because someone, what about someone who in Arkansas where things don't, where the cost of living is not as high? They deserve to be making $2 an hour. What are you talking about? We, we have to, we have to do states' rights, remember? Um, we can't force an, like if, 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 if the cost of, of running business is too high, then, you know, the small businesses, and again, the legal definition of small business is, is our small businesses are businesses that have under five, 500 employees and under that's the legal definition in America of a small business. So it's, again, that's a red herring, just like this man's support, um, and this person would probably be like, oh, well, you know, 
employees, employers can make any rules they want. And if you don't want to work for them, you can just work somewhere else. If you don't like America, you critique America, love it or leave it. Or, um, or um, the whole fact that, you know, it's too e- You'll probably complain that it's too easy for people to get houses and that the housing crisis of 08 happened because people bought houses that they could, that their butts couldn't afford and then they got what was coming to them. But then he will he will say that that um, that landlords have the right to do whatever they want, and if they if they want to ban alcohol, in the, if they want to ban a six pack of beer in the fridge, it's their property. They can do what they want. Oh, if they want to ban you from not being able to use cannabis in the property, they can do that because it's their property and they can do what they want. The same smug d bag, um, the same smug sort of guy has that mindset. But again, we're gonna continue. Um, I told you I was going to eviscerate this guy um, during this article, and we're not even halfway. I'm already done a lot of that. These are common sense provisions that make sense. Common sense provisions that make sense to conservatives that they don't like cannabis or people that still want to give cops reasons to keep the arrests and keep the quotas going. Or conservatives that have never done it in their lives or haven't done it since college and everyone else in their circles like that. And, you know, for fiscally responsible reasons to save money for Arizona, maybe just wants it legal, you know, to, to, to save state money, not, 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 not to actually get justice for people of color. No, it's just this is, we're putting too many people in jail and it's tacky. That's probably his, his, his reason or his modus operandi for supporting. But again, we're, we're not even halfway and already ripped this shud to shreds. Prop 207 comes along at the right time. At, I told you, here it comes. He's, he's going to bring up his fiscal conservatism. As the pandemic reduces revenues and increased costs for government, this measure will generate $300 million a year in additional revenues. Money would be targeted towards public safety. Here it comes. This guy is, is foaming at the mouth about how there's going to be bajillions of, of, of impaired drivers the second Prop 207 passes. You know, he's still buying into the fallacy that you're when you legalize, you create a, a millions more users rather than those users that were buying from the black market the whole time getting on the illegal market. He's still buying into that sort of fallacy. And it's like the Vermont governor, um, when he legalized growing and possessing two years ago he he was very adamant about public safety and about um provisions that would allow um you know cops to detect impairment and to stop stone driving on highways again this this phil scott not not really a friend of cannabis just like most other if not the vast majority of Republicans doesn't like the plant, doesn't like the people, thinks alcohol is the noble drug that that adults do, and that big big boys and big girls stop their cannabis use after college, and um, they just drink they just drink their whiskey and their cigar like real adults. That's the, and you know that was his mindset. And when when Vermont legalized, he made sure that there were provisions to quote unquote stop impaired driving. 
And um, he he had, he had a he postured about that over and over before signing the growing and possessing legalization. You know, um, this whole public safety. Yet you have states like Wisconsin where, you know, the, the the Tavern League and the alcohol industry run that state from top to bottom. Yet, you know, you, you have cannabis, modest cannabis reform like medical being blocked like crazy there. You know, where's the public safety for, for drunk states like that? I mean... <laughs> Prop 207 comes along at the right time as the pandemic reduces revenues and increased costs for government. This measure will generate $300 million a year in additional tax revenues. Money would be generated towards public safety, community colleges, substance abuse treatments, mental health programs, road and freeway construction, just to name a few. Again, this is the only thing that matters to a conservative. Oh, we, we need to maintain the roads because I don't like public transit and I think that's communist and it's a waste of my tax dollars. Um, people should just pull themselves by their bootstraps, learn to drive at 14 like I did. Um, you know... Um, Public transit is for commies, and we can't we can't fund that because I don't I don't ever really use public transit, so we don't really need it. You know, the government only exists in, to protect capital, to protect property, and to protect my guns and to protect um, my ability to to drive where I want to drive to. Public transit is 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 communist crap. And countless new jobs would be created at, at a time when, when they are needed. As a conservative, I am not a fan of taxes. Yet, yet conservatives love to let... They say that they're not fans of taxes, yet they love to, they love to have our government fund all these wars. They loved it. We, look, America's budget, most of that budget is, is defense. It's for blowing up innocent countries that don't need to be blown up. He, he, he rigs his hands about the deficit and about fiscal responsibility, but says absolutely nothing about, about America blowing up people for fucking oil. Excuse my French. I... Does not say a word about that. Not a word. As a conservative, I'm not a fan of taxes. Prop 207 is essentially a voluntary tax that could help prevent increases to so-called involuntary taxes on income and property. Again, that's the only thing that matters to conservatives. Life, liberty, and property. They cross out the pursuit of happiness like shuds like this guy does. The the government only, prote only exists to protect... My guns, my property, my dog, my family, that's it. Okay. And and no, the government doesn't even exist, exist to protect me. It exists to, to protect my right to have guns, family, and property. And anything else that the government does is excess. That's what conservatives like this guy think. None of the arguments against marijuana can withstand any serious examination. Okay, that's that's not that's not false. The organized opposition to marijuana is generally led by people who have spent their professional lives in government. One of the first things they say is that people don't really go to jail for simple possession. This begs the question 
of why we need harsh criminal penalties for marijuana possession if they are not used anyway. But even worse, this claim by the critics of marijuana is clearly false. As a prosecutor, I saw plenty of people prosecuted harshly for these types of offenses. And recently, Arizonan Rodney Jones spent over two years in prison for possession of 0.05 of an ounce of hashish, even though he had a valid medical marijuana card, brought the product from a state licensed dispensary and was a non-repetitive offender. So much for the argument that non-violent, non-repeat offenders of marijuana for personal use don't go to prison. In Mr. Jones' case, he was not an offender at all. He was legally entitled to, to possess the, the marijuana as Arizona Supreme Court ruled inan- unanimously in overturning his conviction. Yeah, Arizona is very tyrannical with medical. We covered stories, I want to say, I want to say either last year or two, no, it couldn't be two years ago, but I want to say like last year, like like spring of last year about Arizona, uphold, like their Supreme Court upholding a public consumption charge that a person got. Um, because Arizona strictly says that you can't use your medicine in public. But um, again, I'm going to have to put that in the description. But again, Arizona is not new to tyranny when it comes to cannabis. They're very, although although they're a, um, they, they have a cannabis program that is very successful, that has low price points for products and um, that is highly utilized with, 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 with several hundred thousand um, patients on the rolls. Um, they are very strict about how you do it. So it's probably politicians like this that ensure that there's lots of tyranny baked into these laws. Even though he had a val... Okay, so I already read that. So much of the argument that nonviolent, non-repeat offenders for marijuana don't go to prison... And in Jones' case, he wasn't an offender at all. He was legally entitled to possess and cultivate marijuana as the Arizona Supreme Court ruled unanimously in overturning his conviction. It's no coincidence that one of the most high-profile oper- mo- most high-profile opponents of Prop 207, it's Yavapai Yev- 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 County Attorney Sheila Polk prosecuted mistreated Mr. Jones preventing this perversion of justice perpetuated by government is reason enough to vote for prop 207 the supreme court ruling in favor of Mr. Jones plainly put an end to the embarrassing episode for Arizona and i personally never want to see anything like that happen again besides with rising violent crime, which I don't believe um, this this man bringing up the rising violent crime is trying to pour cold water on the defund the police movement, which um, which allow cops to over police and um, to throw out people um, in, in certain neighborhoods like 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 they did with Breonna Taylor. They were trying to gentrify that area of, of Louisville 
and that's why they did that's why they did that raid and tried to try to try to drum up Brianna Taylor on some BS and, and kill her and, and try to drum and try to harm her boyfriend and people that she that she knew like they are trying those cops are trying are working hand in hand with capital to help gentrify that place and they use the war on drugs to bust her house and you know this this cop i mean, I mean this 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 prosecutor is probably a cop bootlicker otherwise he probably thinks the cops are, are good and that there's only a quote-unquote few bad apples instead of systemic problems this guy is probably a bootlicker to cops it's pretty safe to say with this nonsense but again he's trying to pour cold water and rising violent crime that's it's, crime ain't rising Besides, with rising violent crime, law enforcement has has better things to do than prosecute non-violent marijuana laws. Marijuana opponents also regularly trot out the children as a reason to vote no. This is largely an appeal to emotion rather than a real argument. As a father of three myself, marijuana is very low on my list of concerns. Of course it is, because you... You, you don't think of it as a, a a drug that adults should use past college. You don't know other people. You don't really know other people that use. All your circles are people that just drink alcohol and, and, and put tobacco in their faces. And um, so, of course, um, cannabis is a low priority to you. You live in a bubble, sir. <laughs> A much more serious concern are opioids, which are easier to obtain than marijuana. In fact, it is extraordinarily difficult for a minor to secure marijuana from a legal dispensary. And Prop 207 contains tough packaging and warning label requirements. Arguments that marijuana would be a problem in the workforce don't hold water either. Here, uh-oh, here comes the tyranny. Under Prop 207... Employers and property owners can ban marijuana use at their workplaces or on their property. We have to, conservatives love they love to tout the right to discriminate. They they get off on that. They really really do. Oh, this is this is a legal this is a legal plant with medical properties, but it needs to be. But 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 um but property managers have to be able to keep their property values high and ban the use of cannabis um and again i am if you don't own your if if you rent and you don't own your own property and your law and your landlord says you can't use on the property then cannabis is not legal for you because you can't use in your car because you can get a dui you cannot use in public, which this initiative specifically says you can't. And um, and in this initiative, it's specifically written into Prop 207 that law make that what's the name that it's specifically written for employers to discriminate against cannabis users. So this is legal, but it's written into law that they can just that they can continue to keep the quote unquote drug free workplaces, even though you can drink alcohol like a fish the day before. 
um, again, this is, it's like what like what I was seeing earlier, where I was I was talking about how this guy probably he probably doesn't care that employees that employers can ban contraceptives, even though women may use contraceptives for medical purposes. It may not be for 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 sexual reasons. But again, this this person would probably tell that person that got discriminated against or didn't have their contraceptives covered by work or whatever. They'd probably tell that person to go get another job and that it's the free market and that it's employees have the employers have the right to do what their religious beliefs tell them that they can do. And they it's their God gosh darn given right to be able to discriminate on 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 others at both in the workplace and um and in 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 rentals again because he's always going to be part of that owner class he's never going to be on the wrong end of that so of course he has zero empathy for renters he has zero empathy for people that work drugs i mean the work jobs that arbitrarily drug test them he's not this man was never on the wrong end of anything he's a privileged white guy Oh man, this guy just gets me. I mean, we'll still take his vote, but jeez. Drug tests would still be permitted, allowing employers to make sure their employees. What 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 business is it that this guy for what business is it for anyone to do to to use off the clock as long as they're getting their job done? What business is it for for employers to just discriminate for discriminating sense? Um, again, this guy, like he, he's never been on the wrong end of anything in his entire life. He's always been privileged. He's always owned, he's always owned a property. He's always, um, worked good jobs where he does not have, he never had to worry about a piss test. Um, he's, he's never been on the wrong side of anything. This is a, a privileged white guy that has never faced any real adversity. And you can tell in, in, in all of these paragraphs. You really can. Um, okay, but let's wrap this up. Drug tests would still be permitted, allowing employers to make sure their employees are not impaired. Yes, but but we know with cannabis that it lingers in your body. If you did cannabis five days ago... A drug test is not a drug test does not test impairment. It only it only finds use because cannabis accumulates in your fat cells. So if you use five days ago and you have not used since, and you're stone cold sober, you will still pot. Excuse me. You will still pop dirty on a on a drug test. Yet this guy thinks it's fair game to fire your butt for it. Drug tests would still be permitted, allowing employees to make sure their employees are not impaired, just as such tests are used today for marijuana and other drugs, including alcohol. They're not really used for alcohol. Alcohol leaves your system in a day. It leaves your system in a day. All the other hardcore drugs leave your system in days. Cannabis, because it accumulates in your fat, does not leave your system in days. Again, this guy has never been on the wrong side of anything. He's been privileged his whole flipping life. Prop 207 effectively tackles the challenge of implementing legalization in a responsible manner. Again, it was written for conservative fence setters like this guy. Written to draw the support, and 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 I, I would bet you anything this guy was pitchforks out in four years ago when 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 it was on the ballot because it did not have these tyrannical provisions. 
again, um, take support, take people who support it like this guy with a grain of salt. Prop 207 effectively tackles the challenge of implementing legalization in in a responsible manner. Legalization is coming one way or another. We have the opportunity to get it right, to end injustices that result from the law's treatment of simple possession and any amount of marijuana as a felony, and to make sure the children are protected, then tax dollars are spent wisely. If we miss this opportunity and more radical elements may push legalization without these safeguards, told you, so they watered it down to get the support of assholes like this. Or worse yet, politicians and bureaucrats may attempt legalization without consulting voters. Please vote yes on Prop 207. All right. So end of Dan Scotland here joining you from Lee Massachusetts, the heartland of America. Today's episode, we have a very, very special guest. Um, this is one of our biggest episodes that we've done in a long time. We've had a slew of huge episodes and huge interviews, and we've got another one for you. Today, we have interviewed Christina Casile of Design 710, who is a certified interior designer with over 20 years of experience in the industry. So I'm going to read her description. Um, she's of the company Design 710. Um, they, they are a woman-owned business, and they, they do a lot of design for various cannabis um, dispensaries or, or operations or facilities. So let me continue reading her description and let you know about her long and illustrious resume. Chris received a Bachelor of Science in Interior Design from Philadelphia University and honed her skills as an interior designer with several large architecture firms in Philadelphia, specifically with Ballinger and Ewing Cole. Chris gained considerable experience in a variety of market sectors, including healthcare, research, development, government, education, sports, entertainment, overseeing dozens of multi-million dollar projects. Christina first established herself in the cannabis industry when she was recruited to join a team of experts assembled by Philadelphia-based attorneys and consultants Morocconi Flowers Limited to assist clients in obtaining permits to grow, process, and sell marijuana. Morocconi Flowers intended to coordinate a group of diverse professionals to act as strategic partners to support marijuana permit application projects and identify Christina in Design 710 as ideal to provide building slash zoning code analysis, budget, schedule development, interior design services to their guests. Christina quickly became an integral part of the team. Design 710 successes have included design the project of a winning application and first dispensary to open in Philadelphia, designing the project for winning grower processor applicant in the Delaware Valley, and designing the winning project for an additional dispensary permit holder in the Philadelphia area. But I do have one last thing that I want to talk about. 
So I do have one last thing I want to mention about Chris. So she did design the Giants, the New York um, football Giants or the New York Giants training facility in MetLife Stadium. She was one of the designers of the training facility. And we talked about that in the interview. Um, so yeah um she she's done a lot of of things throughout her career um our conversation ran the gambit of um talking about you know the importance of networking you know the importance of 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 pivoting and how you do so um the you know the sort of the basics of um of uh, design of cannabis design or cannabis um interior design you know if you're going about it in a new market like arkansas or missouri or um you know maybe maybe next year um mississippi or you know west virginia or whatever if, if i were if i were to d design in west virginia like next year or whatever like what like how would i go about doing it like what 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 people what do people look for what puts people at bay when i design and it's just um yeah we we our conversation ran the gambit between all these things and it's it's one for the books so without further ado let's get to the episode hi hi dan how are you doing good how about you good good so um i hope you're having a very good morning how about you oh yeah i've had my coffee my breakfast i'm ready to go <laughs> <laughs> same same <laughs> um so so to sort of just start things off um um so we know that um you've designed various sort of cannabis dispensaries and um as um as just cannabis in general just just entering that field as as entering that field just continues to be just a an, an all males club like what what advice do you have for women and other groups trying to break into um parts of um the cannabis industry whether it's design or any anything else that they're looking to do sure um honestly i mean just to start you know going to conferences asking questions um i feel that there's a ton of opportunities out there for anyone to get involved i was at a a luncheon yesterday and a woman she is in pnr puts together all of these people from you know different sectors. Um, she's got attorneys, she's got accountants, she's got other marketing people, um, designers that, you know, she's got this wealth of this network and she says, I don't know what to do with it. And um, I said, you know, start some consultancy group, you know, as an investor, you know, you want someone to come to you and you have all of these resources for them to use. Um, again, she's like, thank you for the advice. You know, I think I'm going to do it. Um, so it's just, you know, it's getting out there, meeting people. Um, you know, I've gone to conferences and, you know, talked to as many people as I could. Um, I mean, that would, that would be my best advice. I mean, it's scary, you know, to get out there, but you just have to, you know, take that first step, I, I would say. But I, I think anyone can get involved. I mean, I know a ton of women that are in the industry, um, which I think is awesome, um, you know, and people from across the board, um, you know, you meet every day. So that'd be my best advice anyway. <laughs> 
definitely. Um, I remember going to one of my first cannabis conferences um, when I first started getting into the cannabis space. Um, I went to the Cannabis um, World um, Business Expo or something like that um, in 2017. And mm-hmm. not the networking that I did was invaluable. Um, oh yeah! Like yeah, it's 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 de- it definitely definitely helps. Um, I always so, thought it was interesting too because the first conference I went to out in Vegas, I believe it was MJ Biz. They have it twice a year. Um, I was flying home on the plane, and someone in back of me had said they um, they were expecting all of these, you know, Bob Marley types. And when they showed up, it was just a sea of suits. You know, it's, it's people out there that, you know, are very interested in this, you know, investors, you know, across the board, you know, people that want to work in dispensaries. So you've got, you know, all levels. Um, but again, it's just, you know, getting out there, talking to people. And every day I meet someone that's like, oh, my neighbor's involved. Oh, you know, my friend is involved in a grow. So it's literally just starting the conversation. And I think, you know, it opens, it opens doors. It really does. Yeah, that's kind of why um that's kind of why my podcast is named I am Canvas Sativa. Um it's because people are <clears throat> because people not involved in cannabis and maybe our family and friends that are just still sort of have hesitancy about it they come to get shocked that everyone that, that their best friend that their colleague that their best um aunt as as a user and they're functioning just fine and it's it's we you know people don't know which who who's who but at the end of the 100%. day it's more of us <laughs> than they think yeah. Uh, yeah yeah i mean it's just a stigma you know that hopefully i i believe you know it's starting to be broken down but um you know it's just it's just educating people and again you know talking about it the more people talk about it the more um streamlined i think it's going to become Awesome. Yeah. Um, so could you, could you get, could you just sort of, um, elaborate for, for the audience, um, what got you into interior design and can you give us a rundown, uh, as to what services, um, your company design 710 offers? Absolutely. Um, I, I mean, I've, since I was a child have always, you know, painted my room and changed my room around. So when I went to school, you know, thinking what I wanted to do and saw interior design, um, for me, it was, you know, let's try it. You know, so that's how I got my, um, my start. And I worked in two large firms in the city, um, you know, before starting my own company. Um, but Design 710 um, is kind of like a one-stop design shop, if you will, for these projects. And um, you know, from the beginning, I work with my clients on identifying properties um, for their dispensaries or grow facilities to make sure that they're even feasible, um, to make sure, you know, that the community is okay with it, that the zoning um, requirements are there. Um, you know, and once we've got all those things met, you know, we help with the application process, meaning that we'll do the site and facility design. And, um, you know, we go to the zoning meetings. I've gone to, you know, many of them. Um and then, you know, continue on if they're lucky enough to win an application through the um, construction document process. And then I'm, you know, we're on the project through to construction. Um, so we're, you know, on from the very, very beginning. And, you know, we're one of the last ones to walk off the site. So um, we're very much involved and, you know, people can pick and choose, you know, anything in there, you know, whether they just want us to do a floor plan, if they want us to be part of the construction 
um, you know, we offer all of that um, to our clients. So kind of a one-stop shop, if you will. <laughs> <laughs> um, to sort of piggyback off that question. Um, so like, if like you, you, you mentioned that you, you, you go to, you go to the local, um, municipal zoning meetings and, you know, you have to, you, you do all that you need to do to get buy-in. Um, if I were like, if, if I were breaking out ground in a, a new market like Arkansas or, or Missouri and, you know, I was having to fight municipalities that are like, Oh, this is going to be, it's just going to be like a smoke shop and, you know, people playing hacky sack and like what how how, <laughs> how do you like um what was what, what were some of the ways that you allayed some of the concerns at these local meetings um well we um we generally start out by showing them um past projects you know what buildings have looked like because again they think that it's going to be some um cd shop with you know lit up marijuana leaves on the front and it couldn't be anything you know more different than that. So we start out by showing them existing buildings, what they look like prior, what they look like today, you know, the inside, what it looks like, you know, that it resembles more of, you know, a spa or doctor's office, you know, something that's very comfortable for some for someone to walk in and get their products from. Um, again, a lot of people have that stigma that it, you know, like you said, you know, people with dreads playing, you know, with their hacky sack out front and you know, the whole place smells like marijuana. And I mean, you know, just giving them an idea of, you know, that, that that's not what we're here to do. Um, kind of, I mean, the, the meetings that I've been in thus far, um, it's kind of alleviated their concerns. And, you know, they, they were like, oh, you know, thank you. This isn't what we were expecting. Um, so again, it's, it's having the conversation with them, you know, educating them that, you know, that's not our vision for what we're bringing into the community. Um, and they generally respond pretty positively to it so awesome definitely um it's just sort of having that conversation and just you know demystifying their their initial um perceptions and and what what have you um so like if i were like if i were gathering um money to start a new dispenser or to design a dispensary for the first time in a new market um what would be the best advice like if i were just doing this for the first time like what what should i avoid what what should i definitely do um if i'm on a limited budget um where what should what should i tackle first as priorities um again i would that's a tricky one because there's so many people out there selling false bill of goods you know saying oh you know i've won you know, 10 projects and, you know, they've not even touched those projects I've run into many a times. Um, so, I mean, my best advice would be to, again, do your research, you know, find out, um, you know, who's writing these applications, you know, have they won before, um, you know, talk to, you know, designers. I mean, I'm, you know, always open to, you know, talking to whoever, you know, I know people that have won, people that have lost, um, uh, I, I find a lot of people that, you know, have money even that are just throwing it into the industry because, you know, they want to make more money, um, which, you know, is not the way to go because, you know, they've not done their due diligence or, you know, their research and they wind up losing money in the end. Um, so, I mean, again, it's, it's all about educating yourself and, 
um, going to the conferences and having the conversations with, um, you know, anyone, attorneys, you know, don't be afraid to talk to people because so many people, you know, they, they want to help people in this industry, um, you know, that I've found. Um, but I mean, that, that would be my best advice to, you know, just don't just, don't just jump at the first opportunity, make sure that, um, you know, they have a track record of, you know, winning or, um, you know, producing because, you know, like I said, a lot of people have thrown money at, you know, and big money at people that, you know, have not produced for them, um, which is kind of disappointing, but there are people out there that are, you know, knocking it, knocking it out of the park. So it's just a matter of finding them. Definitely. Like, um, it's like, even, even as we're seeing, like, since like, um, late last year and, um, early this year, you're seeing, you're seeing MedMen fold. You're seeing all these people that you think mm-hmm. had all this money because they yep. could, because there's all these constraints in this, in this industry. And, you know, they just weren't prepared for it. You know, they, yep. you know, you have to talk and you have to gather knowledge before yeah. you do something. You don't just do it. You don't just throw money, 100%. like you said. Yep, yep. Um, so so I, another thing I sort of wanted to um, talk about that my audience might not have known, but um, what, 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 what got you into wanting to to design for cannabis dispensaries after um designing for um places like the uh giants training facility in metlite stadium like um that i mean because i imagine that was a pretty huge project (laughs) four years of my life yes it was (laughs) (laughs) um i was actually approached by um uh, my friend was working for an attorney at the time that was getting into cannabis law. Um, and he, uh, you know, had asked her, knowing that I had a design background, um, if I would be interested in getting into the industry. And, um, you know, at the time I'd done a short stint in sales in between my two design careers. And I was like, yeah, let's do it. Um, you know, and um, with I, I'd done a lot of work in healthcare, um, research and development you know, retail and sports and entertainment, you know, I've been very fortunate to work on some amazing projects um, in my past. And he just thought, you know, I'd be the perfect person to um, design these spaces. Because again, you know, the grow facilities are more technical, the more research and development background that I have. And um, the dispensaries, you know, are more um, retail focused uh, with a touch of healthcare, you know, for the medical facilities. And, um, you know, when he brought the opportunity to me, I was like, yeah, let's try it, you know. Um, I always, I always wanted to own my own company. So I was like, Hey, you know, it works. It works. If it doesn't, I go back to a firm. So, you know, that was my thinking at all of it. But, um, so far it's been, it's been a great experience. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, I've, I've, um, like speaking of like medical, like I, like, like one of my first jobs or one of my first, um, careers out of, um, college, um, I was, a I was an intern for a, a medical device company. So we had to work under sort of FDA regulations. Um, uh-huh. We, you know, um, had, we, we sold our devices like um, worldwide. So we had to work with EU regulations, like just changing like patent and trademark information in the EU is very sort of cumbersome because, you know, they have certain requirements, you know, um, 
Mexico has certain requirements and there's like mm-hmm. five different panels that have to approve your process before it it gets before it becomes um approved and and, and finalized and official so right. yeah i mean it's it's definitely you know um you know medical you you're definitely coming into that background and, and the dispensaries are sort of are organized in a way that is medical in a sense too that makes people feel oh this is a medicine and mm-hmm. yeah very much so i mean you know again having dealt with the department of health um i've worked on you know st chris's hospital geisinger you know big medical systems here in pennsylvania um but having dealt with those organizations in the past you know, uh, ADA regulations and stuff like that, you know, just lent itself to, um, you know, designing these facilities. It's funny because I've consulted on a couple projects and people send me their floor plans and right off the bat, <laughs> I say, nope, you know, this doesn't work, you know, code wise, this, you know, you can't fit a wheelchair in here. Like people aren't thinking of those things if, you know, they've just, you know, if some people have bought floor plans off of the internet or, you know, people actually hire <laughs> professionals. It's interesting. Not, I'm not in mind. Um, so, you know, having that background, um, you know, just lent itself to, you know, laying out these facilities, um, you know, and so far so good. But, um, yeah, I mean, having that experience has definitely helped. Yeah, um, it's, <coughs> excuse me, um, it's like you never know. Um, like, um, I was watching, um, this was like a while ago, but I was watching on YouTube, um, Steve Jobs, um, commencement speech, um, I think he gave to Stanford and he was talking about, and he was talking about how, like, um, he, how, like, in college or whatever, like the, I know, I know he only did part, part of college, but like one of the courses he took was like a full, like a, um, calligraphy class and like he didn't, (laughs) he didn't. He didn't like know when like he was going to he didn't know when he didn't know what was like the point of of, of why he was taking that class or what he was going to really use that for. And then when he um, he got to Apple and um, was designing the OS and all of that. And then bingo, like that's that's when his knowledge of of taking fonts came to handy. And that's why. Apple fonts are so like stylistic because he took that random class. Yeah, you never know. (laughs) 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 So, um, so, so what kind of goes into um, picking out like um, colors and picking out materials for uh, a specifically a dispensary um it does are you taking is it just like taking input from a designer as well as going along with your own vision or are other factors involved and considered um i mean some clients have brands already established so they have a color scheme or you know a logo color that you know they want represented in their facility um some are just starting from scratch so um, you know, but they, they know the feel that they want to have, you know, they want to have a spa-like feel, some want to have a rustic feel, um, you know, some want to have a mid-century feel. Um, so it's communicating with them of what their vision is for, 
um, their space. And, you know, then, you know, we just help bring it to fruition. Um, I mean, that's, you know, so far how, you know, most of these have, have worked um, that I've worked on. Um, again, it's just, you know, communicating with your clients once and if they, you know, have no idea what they want, you know, then you just present um, some ideas to them and, you know, they usually attach to one or, you know, gravitate toward one um, and you, you know, go with it that way. Definitely. Definitely. Um, so like when, when designing like, um, a dispensary, um, what, what, what demographics do you have in mind when designing a cannabis dispensary? Cause usually, um, I'm, I, cause I'm a medic, I'm a medical marijuana patient in Massachusetts and I'm, I'm, I'm 30. Um, and when I go to like the dispensaries, I would say mm-hmm. most of the time, like it's people over the age of 45, like with, without a mm-hmm. doubt, like it's like <laughs> I'm outnumbered, like most of the time, like even when, when, like when I'll go to the dispensary and it's like busy and you know, I'll have conversations and stuff. And it's like, it's like, it's, it's like, I'm at, it's like someone that's old enough to be my dad, like talking to me about like which strains he tried for his um pain or whatever it's just it's it's pretty interesting i was just gonna say which is so interesting because you know a lot of the people that i get pushback from are older people you know they assume that it's all these young kids you know gonna want to go in and buy marijuana and um it couldn't be more different (laughs) yeah (laughs) i mean but i try to design my facility so that it's inviting for everyone you know that it's comfortable um, you know, whether you're young or old or, you know, whatever ethnicity you are, um, you know, just so everyone feels comfortable coming in there, you know, getting their product and, you know, coming back again. I mean, you know, that's that's the overall goal is, you know, that you retain um, customers and, you know, they keep coming back to your facility. So um, I don't I wouldn't say I particularly design for, you know, one demographic to another, um, you know, try and make it so that everyone wants to come. Yeah, just like making it inviting so it it sort of appeals to it appeals to everyone across the board. Um yep. so um so in in terms of that like um a, a lot of a lot of people like 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 if you compare like cannabis markets across like the US um I know California before they went before they went adult use they were more of a sort of like wild west sort of farmers market and and Maine mm-hmm. kind of has a farmers market sort of feel like what do you say to some people who are like oh the east coast is more of like a it's more of an apple store but um i i i mean i have people in my family over 40 i have like i have siblings i have my mom or whatever who who might want cbd products they don't want to go to like like I, someone like me would want to go to a craft place but someone like my mom would want to go to a, a professional looking place that they feel comfortable with like there's room for both like what do you say to people who are like oh it has to be one or the other um i mean just like you said you know um i feel like there's room for both in the market um i feel that the east coast is much more regulated than the west coast um i think that that's why people say you know apple stores um i don't (laughs) i've been in a bunch of them and i don't generally think that you know 
that's the case. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Um, um, but yeah, I mean, you you can, I, I you know, I've been in ones on the East Coast here that I mean, I wouldn't I wouldn't by any means say that you know I, I've been to ones in Vegas and you know California and stuff that you know I'd probably never go in again. Um, <laughs> I've not been in any in Pennsylvania, you know, that has given me that overall feel. Um, but I also wouldn't say that they're Apple stores, you know, they're more, um, trying to think of the word, um, you know, just like rustic and homey and, you know, not the shiny sleek like Apple store. So again, I think that there's, you know, a different variety of, um, design even, you know, on the East coast here, um, in my opinion, anyway, and the ones that I've been in. And again, I, you know, I've not been in a ton of them cause I, you know, I don't have my card, but. Um, ones that, you know, allow people to go in before, you know, they get the marijuana in the space. I've, you know, gone to visit a bunch of them, but I mean, that's been my perspective, um, here so far. Yeah. Funny that you bring up rustic, um, in my, um, in my state, um, one of my um, favorite medical dispensaries is exactly like how you describe very sort of it's like it's it was it's kind of like a like a sort of farm stand a little bit but um it's it's mm-hmm. rustic um you, you know like they have they have like they don't have it like open air but it's like like they have like the like they show the the, the flower it's in the glass jars is in the glass containers and then it's sort of like wooden and like you can it, it's sort of like um like texas roadhouse or whatever like just sort okay. of but yeah like I've, I've seen some rustic like that, that that was like my nearest one it's it, it was one that i really liked going to yeah, I mean, I would gravitate towards something like that. <laughs> I, just, yeah. I just love that feel. Again, you know, I feel comfortable in a space like that. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, again, there's, I, I think there's room for all types of, all types of different looks um, in this industry. You know, and it's the same with retail. You know, you walk into a space, and you know, one as sleek as can be, and you know, kind of almost cold and you know, stark, if you will, and then you walk into another one that's got you know, warm woods and warm colors, and you know other people react to that differently and think that that's, you know, much more inviting and comforting. And so it's, you know, kind of teetering on the line of, again, you know, what your client's looking for, you know, what the, what is, what, what does the rest of the community look like? I mean, you know, bringing in, you know, those aspects of, you know, where, where you are, you know, if you're in center city, Philadelphia, as opposed to, you know, Doylestown, which is a suburb of Philadelphia, you know, I, I think that those two have to be, you know, slightly different. Um, in my opinion, you know, they can be, um, but yeah, I, I, I think it's, there's room for all of it. You betcha. Um, so I know you have a really bu- busy schedule, so I have just three more questions that I, I have to, I, I wanted to ask. Sure. Uh, um, so where can, where could, can, where could, um, can, um, medical cannabis patients in Pennsylvania find your dispensaries? All of them, all the dispensaries in Pennsylvania are listed on the Department of Health website. Um, so they can, you know, go to whatever area um, they live in and, you know, find what's closest to them. Ones that I've personally designed are in Philadelphia, um, Elkins Park, and Doylestown. Um, then we've got three more coming up um, that I'm designing currently um, in Pottstown, Bryn Mawr, and another is going to be in Philadelphia. So, but awesome. again, they can they can go on the website and um, you know find 
you know, what's closest to them in the state and, you know, go to whichever one. Definitely. And, um, and, um, are there any other sort of, um, states that, or are you not allowed like, it's okay if you're not allowed to sort of like divulge, but are there any other like states that, that might be a possibility or any other markets that look appealing or. Oh, sure. I mean, we've applied in, um, I mean, I've consulted in, you know, Massachusetts, Rhode Island. We applied in Ohio. Um, we applied in Jersey. We're still waiting to hear about that. Um, Missouri, Illinois, we applied for, you know, that, that just went out in the beginning of this year. Um, you know, West Virginia opened up. I don't think we're doing any work there. Um, but, um, I'm trying to think what else is coming online. There's a ton of, I mean, every, you know, every month there, it seems like another application process is opening um, throughout the country, which is great. Um, but yeah, I mean, we've been fortunate to work in a multitude of states. Wow. And, um, and, and then last of all, um, is there anything, so I, I really, so Christine, I really appreciate you taking the time to, to, to talk and to share your knowledge with all of us. Is there, um, anything else that you would want to plug or any other advice that you haven't mentioned? Um, I don't think so, man. Again, you know, if people are interested in getting in the industry, I mean, I welcome people, um, you know, they can go to my website, find my number, you know, my um, email address, you know, contact me, you know, I'm more than willing to, you know, if I have any resources for them to, you know, help them out. Um, Again, you know, people have helped me along the way to get where I am. I, I had no idea, you know, what starting a business was or, you know, even getting into the cannabis industry, where to go. I mean, all I knew was interior design. So um, it's just kind of navigating your way through having the conversations with people. And, you know, again, once you start talking about it, you find people are more than welcome to, talk, you know, they want to talk about it. Um, but, you know, that, that, that would be the biggest thing, um, you know, just to reiterate. But no, otherwise, I think I think we hit most of it. Awesome. So, um, so, so, so folks, um, so again, um, this was Chris, Christina Casile of the owner of Design 710, who's a certified interior designer with over 20 years of experience. Um, you can, you can search for Design 710 online and anywhere you, anywhere you, you, you find websites, which is the internet, obviously. <laughs> but um again i I really appreciate you um taking the time to to talk and um i i hope you have a great and productive rest of your day you too thanks so much for having me i appreciate it thank you thanks dan thank you bye-bye okay if you find yourself if you find yourself coming around often to my podcast and want to support our humble little project, there are quite a few ways you could do so. Supporting us helps us keep the lights on, pay rent, pay for hosting, equipment, and travel. You can do this by going to https colon slash slash anchor dot fm slash I am canvas sativa podcast slash support. You can also support me now on Patreon at www.patreon.com slash IC 
Sativa podcast. You can support the podcast for as little as $1 a month. We also have a $5 and above tier if you are feeling extra generous. Additionally, if you wish to get in contact with us, you can leave a voice message on Anchor and you can do this by going to https colon slash slash anchor dot fm slash I am Canvas Sativa podcast and click the send voice message button and I may just play it on a future episode. You can also call and leave a voice message at 617-466-9389 and I may just play it on a future episode. Feel free to join the ever-expanding I Am Canvas Sativa podcast planet on Discord. We Yes, we've got a Discord channel and that Discord channel can be found at https colon slash slash discord dot gg greg greg slash 65TG2NR. Again, that is HTTPS colon slash slash discord dot GG slash 65TG2NR. Feel free to check out Sequoia Organics for a great source of CBD and hemp based products. You can check them out by the link HTTPS colon slash BIT dot LY slash 33FKRV. And you can enter the following coupon codes for extra discounts, such as Dog Treat 20, Tincture 20, 40% sign off ISO, 15% sign off CBD. And that applies to the entire store. And as always, everyone, stay medicated, my friends. Peace out and ciao.